0: January the 28th, 2022. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said Podcast. Hope everyone is having a nice week. We've got a lot of content for you on a loaded week. Really pumped about this show. And if you're looking for our normal wrestling content, we've got an entire show this week that we posted earlier today that's all wrestling. So this week in wrestling with Chad Cooper, we recorded that. And then we did a full Royal Rumble Roundtable, a deep dive with Andrew Champagne, Darren Zocali, and Chad Cooper. We went over every listed participant in the men's and the women's Rumble, all the crazy possibilities, who might show up, surprises, who we think legitimately will be there, and who can win the thing. It was a blast. So if you're a wrestling fan and you're looking for some of that Royal Rumble content, we've got a bunch for you on a previous episode. Just check that out in your feed on this episode. We're going to talk NFL. We're going to get into those conference championship games with Eric. We're going to break everything down. We spend over an hour talking about the two NFL games coming up on Sunday and then lots of horse racing. We've got Friday, Santa Anita. Friday, Sam Houston, full card. Saturday, Gulfstream, best bets and stakes races on the Pegasus card. Saturday, Oaklawn Park. We'll talk about a couple stakes races there. Saturday, Santa Anita. We'll give out some best bets at Santa Anita. Saturday, Sam Houston. Yep, four different tracks. For Saturday. Then we get into Sunday with Jessica Paquette. We talk Sam Houston on their big day, six stakes races on the card. Jessica helps us out with all six of them. And I'm going to go through the rest of the cards. So we'll get you some full card Sunday for Sam Houston, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday action all right here on That's What G Said podcast that is presented by BetterThan.Vegas at Bets on Twitter. Give them a follow, free content every day. To help you become a better, better. They have giveaways like the public prop. Where all you have to do is follow along. Help read some of the posts. And one of you will be selected. If a wager wins, you get to keep the winnings better than dot Vegas. We have a Friday, Saturday morning live stream. Every Saturday morning, 10 a.m. Talking college basketball. Then fourth and inches to preview every football game this year. We still have a couple more editions of that left. We're going to be talking horse racing on Monday and Thursday, harness racing from Woodbine Mohawk. We preview the early pick 5 there. So, BTV bets on Twitter, give them a follow. And we're going to head right into our first conversation. We're going to talk some NFL with Eric one, Eric joins us, he's been here with us Every single week, all year long And we dive into this game We uh, we both had a ton of information to talk So we went back and forth and had a blast Previewing both of the conference championship football games We come off of an incredible Divisional round weekend Where oh, at all four games Had a kick go through The uprights with zero time left On the clock in regulation One of them ends up going to overtime and uh, we'll have a whole nother debate someday about the overtime rules and uh, why they need to be so, changed. <laughs> real quick,
1: real quick. Like I think I've solved it. It'll be thirty seconds. Okay. Tell me how you feel. The home team gets the ball first in the playoffs.
0: I love it. But what's wrong with that?
1: You know what I mean. I, it's simple. Rewarding them for having home field advantage.
0: And and then towards it's the just... end of regulation, when you know that, you may even sort of play towards that, depending on. Buffalo
1: would have gone. Buffalo would have gone.
0: Yep, hundred percent.
1: 100% so I mean again you know there'd be more of a sense of urgency from that team so yeah I mean I I think that's like the easiest thing you can't add more time just because we heard that by just hyping up NCIS Hawaii two seconds that you know this is a business there's television shows that the networks are building around them so to keep the games the same length I think that's the best
0: yeah it's a good it's a good one I mean it's simple it makes a lot of sense you know no matter what they just got to make sure both teams get a chance to touch the ball. Once it's overtime, once the game's end ends, then what happened, it's gotta be like a clean slate. Everybody has to get even even opportunities. See, yeah.
1: No, but I think like, like Kansas City, they had the home they should be rewarded for. It. So and and know, getting so and
0: I, getting yeah. the ball and, and getting your choice, right? Do you want the ball yeah. first or do you want to defer? Like whatever, like getting getting your choice. But but the problem is in that situation is just in order for two teams to tie in a game they both had to screw up so much to get there right i think what we end up doing is we end up thinking about what happened in the very last play because the bills blew that you know le- the last lead but the chiefs blew two leads throughout i think no matter honestly what the, the thing about it is if they wanted to go out there which would be the worst idea in the world and have a fucking field goal kickoff excuse me <laughs> right off the bat drop in f bombs <laughs> and um it would be a terrible but at least both teams would get a shot i just don't like the idea of well you're on defense couldn't stop them on offense that's it that just that, yeah. that that's that seems pretty pretty crappy that eh, so you know we'll uh We'll have some fun with that That's been a conversation that everybody's been talking about Two separate things, right? Did the Bills squander opportunities? Should they have been able to stop them late? Yep But Kansas City probably could have had a couple uh, chances To put the game away with the the two minutes left We're going to get into that game a bit When we talk about Kansas City and Cincy So heading into this weekend Eric, we've got two games Where the teams that are the underdog teams on the road are actually 3 and 0 against the teams that are at home and favored against them. The yeah. Bengals beat the Chiefs not long ago. Both times this year the 49ers have beat the Rams. In fact, they've beat them now 6 times in a row. So, sort of a weird dynamic when you have that, right? With like recent success from the underdogs, but in a weird like from what we've seen in the last few weeks, the Favored teams have been playing better more recently but that doesn't always matter
1: yeah i mean it's stuff can get off like i like i can i can see for an hour what the titans should have done or what the bucks should have done what the packers should have done you know like it's easy to sit back and dissect those because a lot of those times those coaches just kind of panic you know in mm-hmm. big scenarios or down big or up big they start out thinking room like um I case in point, like, okay, like we can have like a whole analyst about them because they got the penalty um, on their first touchdown, uh, were able to elect it, accept the penalty and go for two, didn't get it. So point off the board. And then on third and one, they had it at the 35, of the Bengals late in the, um, in the fourth quarter and in like, it was less than a yard. You have Ryan Tannehill, who's 90% career at quarterbacks, um, in the shotgun handing off to Derrick Henry with an RPO. Did not make any sense to me now you're at Fourth down 36 you don't kick the Field goal you know that that's four Points right there because the analyst make it You know what I mean like so I mean you can sit back here And kind of nitpick every decision These coaches make and everything so But that's what the fun part of it
0: and then there Were four so we uh, We have four teams that remain right now Are they the four best teams in football Probably not but that, does, that doesn't Matter that's not that's not always how it shakes We do have a uh, one of these four teams right now that's playing very very good football that's Kansas City that Game last week was really really good and uh, that's that's the first game that we can start with Because that game is going to be at three o'clock Eastern time on Sunday so right now are you, it's it's Pretty solid at seven right now
1: no some seven and a half are so starting to pop today
0: okay starting, so Chiefs so
1: Starting to move the pre the look line the game um six and a half so it starts starting to trickle up a little
0: and we've got around 54.5, I think, for the uh, the total there So, yeah, the Bengals played them a few weeks ago They beat this Kansas City team Chiefs, uh, let's kind of start with them They come off their 42-36 overtime win They got into field goal range in 13 seconds I mean, the last part of that game was just unbelievable um, It was. It really wasn't even, like, real Like, if that was something that we saw in a movie we would have been like oh come on there's no way there's no the defender slips on fourth and 13 and then 13 seconds And over t- oh no and it just there was so much happening uh, the chiefs did miss an extra point that hurt them that defender slipped on a fourth and long to give the bills a touchdown that hurt them they had the weird was that your boy Blake Bell that got that weird third down and short call instead of giving it to mahomes there which was like a weird, like it's, it's just
1: weird. It just doesn't make any. You know what it's I mean? Those so are like, weird. Sometimes these coordinators, they just try to like outthink the room. They want to show everyone how smart it is. You have Patrick Mahomes, you know, playing the be- You know, best quarterback. and I agree on that? Why? Why don't you want the ball? In this
0: and he and there? he's like running so well at this point. To in this particular game, he was awesome. I think he had the most. Did he have the most rushing yards of the of anyone this that that past week? Last week, I think. Of, I any, did, yeah. Yeah. Led led the uh, the round in rushing. Um yep. just incredible. And yeah, you said, I mean, seventy five percent completion percentage. This will be a little bit of uh Mahomes ass kissing right here. Eight point six yards per pass. But that was against the Bills team that allowed the opponents to complete only fifty six percent of their passes and only five point seven yards per throw, both of which were the lowest rates in the league. The Bills only gave up twelve touchdown passes in the regular season. A lot of this is uh, football outsider stuff. The um that was five fewer than any other defense So with opponent adjustments Mahomes had the best quarterback game of the playoffs Any year since 2014 He ended the game rolling He completed each of his line, uh, his last nine passes Nine for nine to end the game 177 yards and two touchdowns On third and fourth down He was eight of nine for 62 yards Six conversions including a touchdown he only threw two deep balls, but he had nine passes that were at least 10 yards downfield. He had uh, completed seven of them for 153 yards and a touchdown. Three runs that were first downs, including the 34-yard gain. And when when he's going so well, Eric, and, and he's doing everything, it's going to open up the game. I mean, even Edwards Hilaire had a couple nice runs. I think he had seven carries for 60 yards. He had a, a long of 22 as a team. They ran for 182 yards on 27 carries with Mahomes leading the way, seven carries for 69 yards.
1: It was just, yeah, it was just one of the performances that you're just going to remember. I mean, the end of that game, I, I think I sent you a text message. I was like, so much for the second half under, it was 25 points in the last... Two minutes. Two and two minutes, and you're like, two minutes. <laughs> it's just one of those things, you just got to smile and move on. Um, yeah, I mean, it was a entertaining game. A um, couple things, like I really didn't understand the first drive by the Bills. Um, you want fourth down, great play. Like you came out, you're trying to win the game, but then you had a lot of fourth and shorts that decided to kick the rest of the game, which didn't make sense to me because you know, you have to be able to score points if, uh, if Kansas City, you can't be like, you know, you can't be settling for three, you can't be punting, you got to put points on the board because the way this offense, you got a 28, 31 points if you want to win the game. So that really didn't make Um, you know, looking at this game last time that, oh, sorry, the, um, The big thing that is sticking out for me When I first looked at the game Was they, Kansas, at a very high level um, And was the late game You know what I mean? Like, the Bengals played the very first game They're on extended And now you're playing an overtime game An emotional overtime game Against, honestly,
0: we probably think Was the best team left in the playoffs I think was the best team of any team left On either side of the AFC or NFC. That was the hardest game they will have to play that, does that mean they're going to cakewalk through the next two? No. I don't think so. You know, and it just doesn't always work that way.
1: Something I like, uh, you look at the defense. The defense played 63 plays. They're on the, they're on the field for 63 times, and you're playing on the short week. That's going to add up. I, in what about the uh,
0: Matthew? Yeah,
1: you two, don't know right? what's going to happen with Um, interesting thing. Everyone's like, Gabriel Davis, always oh, playing out of control. Well, that's what happened. You blanket cover stuff on bigs. They just basically said, hey, you know what? If you're going to beat us with, with Colby, go ahead. If you're going to beat us with Gabriel Davis, go ahead. If you're going to beat us with Emmanuel Sanders, go ahead. But the person you're not going to beat us with is Stephon Diggs. And I really, because of the game that Jamar Chase had in the meeting, what do you have, like 11 for 243, like three touchdowns or whatever? I really think that's what if Matt Honey Badger is there or not. I think blanket covered Chase and forced, um, force Burrow to go somewhere else. And then you when, have the, like, dilemma, like, the Chiefs like the Blitz, but you look at the game last week, and it's kind of mind-boggling, because, like, Burrow was set. Okay, well... There were two you know, more, also,
0: that, um, yeah. that he, were I think... I think he would have been sacked, but there was a timeout called and we couldn't, the, there was so much noise. You couldn't even tell there was a timeout called. He literally got hit and like wrapped up and it was like, Oh no, that was a timeout.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, like when you, when you do like a deep dive and like watch the, like, I always say like my stopwatch out on sacks, like a nerd, um, he was getting sacked on the ball too. You can't expect oh, your alignment for five. Yeah.
0: Three or four of the sacks yeah. were
1: on him out of the nine. But when the times the Titans blitzed, he was 10 for 10 with one, and took one sack. So against the Blitz, he played lights out, and all Chiefs like to play, you know, heavy man. Burrow averages yards per attempt. I mean, pure completion against man, so he does good against the Blitz, does good against the, so what the Chiefs like to do defensively, that's what Burrow likes to, I mean, this is like a real, like, I mean, this game for me is like really hard to kind of cap and kind of come up with how you want to play it. Um,
0: both of these games the for home. me are, are really difficult. I know you locked in a, an awesome number on the second game yeah. and we're going to talk more about that in a minute. I I get I mean I'm yeah. not going to play this game anything m- because I don't have to. I personally don't have to. Like you know I I have yeah. a future ticket on the Bengals to at 8 to 1 to win the AFC and 18 to 1 to win the Super Bowl. So right now I've yeah. got him at eight, at 8 to 1 to win one game. So I mean I'm rooting for the Bengals but at under Seven, like once you start trickling up to seven and a half. If I had, if I did not have that play whatsoever, and I was not tied to them in there, that's that's where I would start to get in. And I think the the money seemed like it was right when it opened to push this to seven because that feels pretty pretty good. Like that number feels good. Once you start getting over a touchdown, though, I think it leaves it it open. It's weird because both of these teams, the underdogs, have this weird like they don't feel like they should be here thing going on. And when that happens with teams At this point of the year Either one of two things happens They get their butts kicked You know, in the next game And just blown out And it's like, oh yeah, that's what happened Or there's this weird, like Maybe it's their year Maybe it's their year to make it there Maybe, like you said They're going to catch a Kansas City team Coming off a huge game That sort of felt like the Super Bowl And now you got two more games to go Like, that's kind of tough for Kansas City Like
1: That's not a game that
0: you normally would play In the divisional round
1: Yeah and like, then you look at the opposite. Look, what what are, what are the Bengals gonna do? Um, Burrow, like I said, lights out the blitz, lights out against man. Like, go five wide and put in a shotgun, or or do you say, hey, you just give up ninety-one yards rushing to opposing running backs for, you know, four point six yards in a camp, and they've given up eight eight hundred eighty-seven yards receiving to running backs with an eighty percent catch rate. You just say, hey, you know what? We're going to slow down the game. We're going to limit the possessions.
2: Yep, because take it short.
1: Last game points, and I think Mahomes. Mahomes only threw for sixty yards in the second half. Three points. Mahomes. Threw, and for what's 60 the likelihood
0: yards. of something like that happening again?
1: Yeah. So I mean, it's like really like is Zach Taylor going you know to what? This team can't do this. I'm going to have a heavy. Mix.
0: Have to. So have to. They couldn't like, run the ball very much last week as a team. Just sixty-five total yards, three point six yards per carry. Mixing at fifty-four rushing yards for fourteen carries because it was. It was just a but tough
2: game. Titans, Titans yep, were really very good.
0: And and their offensive line was just having a rough day. Obviously, like we said, right? We mentioned it. And it, it's one of those things when it would for offensive lines when it happens early in a game, like once or twice, then you get it's like a snowball. You know, it's it gets in their head. They get in trouble. These guys they just keep beating them over and over and over again on these patch rushes. It's just it's brutal. And I I agree. The matchup feels a lot better for them. Um. So they were just the third quarterback in NFL history To be sacked nine times in a playoff game um, The first one to win McPherson yeah. hit four field goals This guy's a stud We've all heard the story about how he said Looks like we're going to the conference championship And then he went out yeah. and kicked it I mean, you go out and draft a kicker The guy better be ready to make some big kicks for you, Eric He's 8 for 8 in the field goal And field goals in the playoffs He's 9 for 11, 50 plus yards in the regular season And he's 2 for 2 on 50 plus yards In that range and that's, you know, that's a weapon There that helps you shorten the field up A little bit too, right? Yeah. You know, just feeling Pretty confident about a guy that can give you A nice, accurate Good attempt at around 50 They uh, they picked up three interceptions Tannehill was, was really bad Last week, and it's not as All if right. The, you know, See, the, I
1: don't think Tannehill was bad. I would just it was like the whole from the offensive coordinator. Like it
0: was a few, it was you, a few bad plays, and overall, you're right. Like, why are they making those? It, it's this is sort of what have, I would say sometimes about Baker. Like, why, why is he making that throw and not? And why are you putting them in that position? Is it just a try to prove it thing? Is it like a hey, we want to show you? Who cares now at this point? There's two or three games left. Run, but, do whatever you can.
1: The two plays, I'm just like, what are you doing is the first play of the game, stadium's ready to erupt as soon as Henry touches the ball. Why are you doing a play action? You know what I mean? Like, just let Henry run. First time he runs into the stadium, going to absolutely Just let
0: him, run. one yard. Just let him go yeah. right into the back of him, one play. You know what I mean? Like, everyone will get up, and he'll get his legs under him. You know? Number, get a couple okay. hits. Oh,
1: and there's two more things. Number two, like, in the second half, four or five running, averaging 17 and a half yards per attempt rushing, per attempt and you know they have a play in the red zone do they run the ball no they do a wide receiving pass to chester rogers like who's like what off they hate in the red zone i really get chester rogers like if it was aj brown fine i can in the argument from the offensive coordinator or titans fans whoever but chester flipping rogers that's who you're trying to get from the red zone in a playoff game makes zero sense and also henry wasn't percent anyone watching the game could see foreman had more pop in his legs and foreman should have been the one getting the ball so i mean like Titans just had a game, but enough about that. Um, another thing, I think another key is C.J. Manzata. Um, do you know who leads the Bengals in Uzo- Uzoma? and Uzoma, you
0: Uzoma, you you said you know
1: you
0: you called him Hush who was T.J. Hush <laughs> yeah. the old Bengals receiver with with Chad Johnson. That was funny. That was great.
1: <laughs> um, it's the Bengals. On third down targets and third down reception. He's had a sneaky good playoffs. And in crunch times on critical grounds, he's the one that he's looking for. Not Chase. You know, you look at Chase. Chase the third down target and third down reception in both games. Um, but I really feel they're going to get away. So that lead be the guys. Higgins going to be a Boyd game. Um, yeah, it's a real, you know, real, real, real interesting game when you really look at it. It's um, final field goal of more favorite. 85 percent spread. Mahomes is 13 15 and one 46 as a touchdown for more so two little trends you know that go against it but yeah this game i really have no idea this is because right now at seven if this gets to like seven and a half eight it means bangles but i'll be honest part of me you want to play the first half because he's always historically they you know, start they slow start off slow tired because of you know, like like i said they, they played so much in a, you know what i mean they played a lot so and those
0: are big not only were those plays like those are big plays like at the end, like how emo- like those are high. It's they 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 have the stat too, you know, like high stress pitches, high leverage pitches in, in baseball. That's kind of like what that defense was going through there. Those aren't just regular defensive plays. Those are every play in those last few minutes is like, oh, this could be the game. This could be the game. This could be the game. Like full speed, tired as can be. Um uh, <laughs> couple nuts stats for for Burrow. So he ended up with an 85.3 adjusted completion percentage. He grades as one of the best quarterbacks in the league in clutch situations. When the game was within one score this year, he has the third highest passing grade, only behind Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. He's the fourth highest quarterback in the league in fourth quarter in overtime. Now, in his last three games, he is 22. So the three games that he played, the clinched the game, the, the two playoff games, and the Chiefs. He's 22 of 24 for 271 yards and one touchdown with no interceptions in the fourth quarter. 22 for 24 for 271, no interceptions. One of his two incompletions was a drop. So that's he's just fo- plain
1: insane. Like, you know, he's, he's holding the ball, but I in, mean, like, yep. when push comes to shove, he's there. Do I think the moment's going to be too big for him? No. I don't think the moment's going to be too no. big for him. I think he's yeah. going to handle it well. Um, do I think and the this, moment could be too big for Zach Taylor? Absolutely, absolutely. Like I, you know what I mean. Like there's gonna be a big light. The
0: defense, their defense. I mean, to it's gonna it's gonna be a lot to ask of their defense if Kansas City is playing like a really efficient game out there. Uh, Because you look (laughs) at
1: last time they played. I mean, I think Kelsey had like one catch. Hill had one catch. I mean, I I heard it was the best that any team has done limiting those two guys. So. I mean, but as the Titans, A.J. Brown was running all, all
0: over the place. He felt like he so, could make a play anytime time, too.
1: I mean, look in this. Last game, they played Tyreek Hill, one reception. No, sorry. I was going to rushing. My fault. Tyreek Hill had 40, and then Kelsey had five 5.25. Hill had 10 targets. Kelsey had 7. So, I mean, those guys were getting run, but they, they did a good job of limiting them. And that's going to be something that's harder to do. Another thing is... Both games, since he's to finish guy, drives they are they way to field goals. Eight,
0: like, eight so far in the playoffs. Yeah. eight field goals.
1: Yeah, they're and they're they're in the red zone those too. They have to be able to finish a like drives. They cannot leave the board. They nope. they have to get sevens. This is way better than Derek Carr or Ryan Tannehill. Oh, this, this is, is going to be this is yeah. way
0: different. This is way yeah. different from them. Yeah, and, yeah. you know that Kelsey and Hill. They had great games last week You know, Hill had the 150 yards and the touchdowns uh, Almost ran back a punt Kelsey had the 8 catches on 9 targets 96 yards and a touchdown Offensive line struggled a little bit though for the Chiefs They had the tackles alone Allowed 4 pressures And the right guard allowed 6 Ingram and Chris Jones Combined for 8 total pressures 1 sack and 7 hurries on the defensive side So Ingram there with Chris Jones When you have another person putting the pressure on that is really really important The secondary noticeably Struggled without Matthew So if he's not able to play Or if he's not up to His best they could be in some trouble there
1: But I mean like also because they Need Matthew to go one on one because they're going to Double chase you know what mm-hmm. I mean like it's so That's big I pull it up right now Titan, Sorry against the Titans Bengals three trips in the red zone two field goals One TD against the Raiders Five three field goals two TD. You know what I mean that's that's not gonna no. That's not gonna cut it. Nope. Again, gonna cut it. Nope. Those all have to be against you. So yeah, it's like I said, it's an interesting little matchup. Um, I think mixing props are alive in this job. I think this has to be a Joe mixing game. Uh, I think Chase is limited. I think they're going to double team Chase. Uh, I think
0: and you Tyler you seem Boyd pretty Uzoma maybe.
1: Yeah, or Tyler. You know, I think Tyler Boyd's. Gonna they have get
0: nice options. Kinda, yeah.
1: You know, kind of kind of lost in the mix. He's going to get Matthew replacement or like you know what I mean. He's going to. Mm-hmm. He's going to be the guy who's going to have the best matchup. I think his his stuff could be live. Um, in terms of the Bengals, you know they do give up a lot to the tight end. Um, you know, eleven point three per pass, a seventy four percent catch rate. They they are pretty good against running. The main thing to me is Kansas City is so bad running, defending the run. Is Zach Taylor really going to commit? You know what I mean to work in the run with. No, to mix that and that's he gets
0: in can he do that if they're down by seven you know what I mean it's it's hard Is if you're down seven pass? or ten and you say you're down by 10 now you know if it's 14 or 21 you probably can't do it but if it's seven ten and you're not in control and you're kind of struggling a couple times can you stay patient and continue to do it uh, you got an a, a absolute stud over there this year against the five best defenses he faced in terms of EPA. Joe Burrow had a 92.3 Pro Football Focus passing grade. Two games in the playoffs this year, only Josh Allen earned a higher passing grade. Yep, Burrow's had a higher passing grade than Mahomes throughout these two games, even with what Mahomes did last week. And the most impressive thing about all of this, he's doing this with the eighth worst graded pass blocking line in the NFL. They're they're in no matter what rank or metrics you're looking at, they're 20 and below. The Bengals mm-hmm. on any list that they were on And some lists there are 25 26 And the other teams Still left the other three teams Their first sixth and seventh In graded pass block in pass graded uh, pass blocking graded lines So oh, wow. just to give you an idea Of like what he's dealing with compared to everybody else Everybody else has a top seven line He's dealing with the bottom eight line And yeah. he's still Performing at that right they even go back on this one article I was reading even goes back to LSU a little bit and says in college he had four games that were qualified as must win games in order to win the national championship the game the playoff games the conference championship game and then the game against Alabama earlier in the year in those games he had a 91.4 passing grade with 17 big time throws and two turnover worthy plays (laughs)
1: it's crazy it's absolutely crazy like you know what i mean it's just so cool man yeah he's just but it like um um there's this armageddon they're talking about bruce he doesn't know how to fail i mean that's basically joe burrow Mm -hmm. joe burrow like it's a great movie too good good pull
0: on armageddon right there well well done well done. but
1: you know what i mean doesn't know how to fail you put Mm -hmm. him in the situation he gets sacked nine times. Finds doesn't a way to the doesn't turn
0: the ball you know over I mean? though. Like, Wills it to happen? You know he's not getting strip sacked. He's not letting. It, he's not making the faces. We talked about this a little bit on fourth and inches too, uh, on Sunday. He's not out there making faces, giving bad body language. That would if you're on the offensive line and you look over after he's getting up and he's pissed and he's mad at this and that. But he's still like, come on, okay, come on, guys, we're gonna do this. He's still rallying the troops. He's good to go, and that that rubs off. That trickles down on yeah. everyone. You know, yep. and they um, yeah, he threw for four forty six and four touchdowns when they beat the Chiefs thirty four thirty one. Got to give a shout out to Prince in a week. Last week, the offensive lineman, because in a week when almost the entire offensive line was really bad, he was the only one who actually played okay. And they were kind of picking on other sides of the line there. So yeah, just I'll, I'll probably have a couple more props, and we'll uh, we'll definitely dish out our uh, I'll say first this, touchdown know- score.
1: I, I know who mine is Okay. he's a okay. huge price, but I, okay. I'll give that out. I'll, I'll give on that forth-
0: out. Okay. A little bit of a tease. So we'll be, we'll be we'll fourth and in the that's what they call a tease in the business that right is. there. And, uh, that'll be on Sunday. Both the games are on Sunday. We are going to go live at one o'clock PM Eastern. That's what we said, right? One yep. o'clock Eastern time and uh yep. game start at three. So we'll have plenty of time to uh, get you all set up. We'll talk some props too. We'll talk any last minute news. Um, about th- uh, this game. If there's any weird injury stuff or anything that happens, we'll let you know. Right now, that number is about seven, bumping up to seven and a half in some spots. So,
1: but if you like the we're at the point right now. If you like the just best as
0: you better get. take it now because it's not yep. going to go back down the other yep. way.
1: If you like, and I'll be honest, if the line's treading I'll probably be on the bills. But also, part of me thinks the Bengals could be a public dog this week. I know, and, it's and just one like, of the, that's it's my-
0: yeah. It's just one of those things where they. It's hard for me with both of these teams And we'll we'll talk with San Francisco now Because we're going to jump into that game in a second And San Francisco, when you dig into the game like They have a ton more matchup advantages On paper and things that you can dig into From their prior matchups And the teams know each other and everything But I have a hard time Just at this point Because both of these teams have not really played very well And in, in back to back Like San Francisco, it's been about three halves now The, the second half against Dallas They did not play well and they did not play well, really, that whole game I mean, it was just a battle of who played well, worse the, the defense that, Defensively, they played well Defensively, I they played say well
1: that often looked a lot better in the second half When they started using motion pre-snap.
0: And that's something they're going yeah, that, to Try to do a lot better, against the Rams Because the Rams are very good when They're able to set the, the Rams are excellent when they're able to Change their Defensive schemes And it makes it more difficult On a defense to do that to kind of give you different looks when you're always moving around, because you end up having to react to the offense instead of being able to kind of be the aggressor on defense. You know, so that's one absolute key matchup that they're going to try to pick on over and over. I mean, these two teams and these staffs—they know each other so well, Eric.
1: Oh, I mean, this these guys know. Um, you look at this. This this stuff is going to blow your mind. Okay, like first of all, Peacock has Montana document pretty good. Couple episodes in, pretty. Pretty solid. Um if you're a 49ers fan or just a football fan, you should definitely watch it. Um fifty-four as a dog, fourteen and a five, straight up. Okay. And then I he, um against McVeigh, I believe he's seven and which is just ass and you know what the 49ers record is without Jimmy? Twenty twenty-seven. Eight and twenty seven. It's so and funny. And it's and like as a Lions, I'm sitting here and I'm like, you have a quarterback that is now taking the Super Bowl and the NFC championship. I would soft my right hand You know what I mean like I would be content and so happy for him. And they're ready and to run this guy out. He, out the-
0: he it's, it's so fascinating because There are I mean I'm going to get into Some just if you look at All of his his metrics And all of his numbers in the Regular season everything is Average to above Average to some categories Very very good you know because They have a really good offense He's extremely efficient, I think uh, You know, yards per pass are, are excellent, regular season One of the best, it's just the, ch- the shift from the regular season To the playoffs in how They don't even try Which is smart, because they've gotten to a Super Bowl And they've gotten back to a conference championship Now, by not trying By not ma- like having him You know, make the mistakes That would hurt you, but wow When you dig into these games Like, game by game they have caught them They've they've schemed well. Their defense has played well, but they have needed to catch teams on the most perfect t- days when they played really really poorly. And now that's some of that. Like I said, is is San Francisco. Some of that is scheming to make those teams not be able to play at their best. But who? So Jimmy G did not throw for a first down until midway through the uh, second quarter. Um. At that point, but he, he did was have o- a
1: couple drops. there, yeah. there was he, some did have a, bad he did have
0: drops. Kittle had a brutal one. There was a couple yep. bad ones. That point, he was over five with three sacks. He threw one point uh, pass in the red zone. It was intercepted. He only had one third down conversion all night. Um, he went three of four for forty two yards with four sacks, but only one of them was converted. The um, Jimmy G continues. This is what a, this was a quote from Pro <laughs> Football Focus. Jimmy G continues to defy what many believe is required to win playoff games in the modern era. His most impactful pass landed in the lap of a Packers defensive back as it was underthrown and inside after he escaped pressure. Leaning on the run game kept Jimmy G in manageable third downs in which was the key in keeping him away from the Packers edge rushers. So, his five career playoff starts, I mean these are numbers that everyone's going to say and and I will definitely counter them. Like uh he's 4 and 1 the only time he's thrown the ball More than 25 times Was in the game that he lost Which was the Super Bowl He has two total touchdowns And five interceptions In those five games that he started He has one game Over 200 yards passing That was also in that Super Bowl Where he threw two interceptions The game he lost Every other game he has 175 yards passing or less Since 2006 He is the only quarterback With at least three payoff, playoff starts To average fewer than 25 dropbacks per game Regular season stats are You know, what we were saying you can dig into him, but in the in the playoffs. <laughs> I'm sorry, this is a Jimmy G but, rant and I feel bad for him because these are just the horrible. Thing,
1: the thing is this, okay? He's winning. You don't know. What oh I mean? no, like, and, no, you're uh, right. Like you're right. But, but, like, but you're I mean, right. You and but the I only... always go back on uh quarter Baker may you know what I mean? If he was able to, if Baker was able to like last year, what Jimmy was able to doing this year, Browns would have won one well, they, they didn't they, they won a, they won yeah, right. a playoff in, game, in
0: and here's the yeah. thing, though. I I, I will oh, I will definitely disagree with you on the ones in that he he would have been only to get able to get so far. Like Jimmy almost beat Kansas City a couple years ago playing well, but Jimmy right now playing the way he played these last two weeks, those games
1: don't beat Kansas City. But Jimmy's also hurt though. Oh, hundred percent. So, so, I agree. Yeah. And he, he so, he's and
0: this week is not is something that I don't think enough people are talking about. He's not going to be in his cold of weather. And he's probably going to be a little bit healthier And he's definitely going to be much more comfortable Playing against a team like this That he knows really, really well But while I'm picking on him I gotta keep picking on him Because there are 34 quarterbacks With at least 100 dropbacks since 2006 He ranks 29th in in passing grade 31st in quarterback rating 18th in yards per attempt That's a great stat of his though Even when he's not playing well He's always good in yards per attempt Because they're really good they have good um, weapon. they have good weapons he does A pretty good job of getting them the Ball it's just they they have such a flo- They have such a floor with him as Their quarterback can they beat most Teams with him yes but if a good team Plays really well you just can't beat Them and, and they've been lucky that they Have caught teams that have not played Their best versions because that was not The best version that we saw of the Packers or the Cowboys and you were Spot-on in playing the playing the the 49ers because they the both of those two teams were overrated. They were overhyped in advanced metrics. Their seasons didn't look quite as good as they were on paper. When you dig into the teams they played, Green Bay's got a bad division that they didn't just beat up on. So of course it's not as difficult for them to not have to play is tough a competition over and over. You know, Dallas, we talked about down the stretch, they beat up on the uh, Washington who was banged up and and the Eagles. And so those two teams. And 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 again, they might catch the Rams here in a situation where the matchup fits them. But and and maybe they catch whoever in the Super Bowl not playing that well. I just don't know if they're gonna if they run into a team that is playing well and plays a good game, they are going to need a lot more than what they've been getting from Jimmy G this year in the playoffs.
1: Yeah, and I mean, my thing with them—you look at the last time they played the game. One, they had three hundred thirty-five yards, two hundred to the Rams, two hundred twenty-six yards, four rushes for a buck fifty-six. Game two, Forty-Niners had four hundred forty-nine yards, two hundred sixty-five, uh, one hundred thirty-five yards on the ground for thirty-one on uh, thirty-one attempts, averaging. We saw how Fournette Fournette was slicing often for the game script, and the butts mm-hmm. had the run out. They rough. couldn't even yeah, run anymore. 13, yeah, yeah, thirteen, one. So I mean, I think Mitchell's going to get some. You look at Mitchell. You look at Mitchell over the over the year. He gets twenty touches a game. Gets over eighty yard, eighty five to ninety yards a game, and that brings me to the first prop I locked in. I locked in for seventy one and a half yards rushing. I
2: like I think that. It's
1: going to be a, a heavy rushing attack. Do- they're really going to go after it, and the Rams have struggled with the physical running attack. And um, I think they're going to be able to move the ball. Do we, we know about Trent in- Williams right now? He is healthy. Going to play. Everyone's healthy. For um, okay. I think the big question mark is um, Wetworth. What what's yeah. going on with him for the Rams? Yeah. Uh, everyone wants to talk about the Bucks front front four. I mean, this front four of the 49ers is nothing to laugh about. They averaged 3.1 sacks per game last, last three games. Five The Stafford makes Stafford you know rush through his progression. So
0: because he's good, he's another one of those quarterbacks that he's good. When you blitz, but if you put pressure on him without blitzing, he's not. Yeah, that's you know.
1: That's why he struggled. Um, you know, and also let's give pops to McVay You said it I think a couple weeks ago. Um, it was after last regular season. Your thing with him was you he didn't have go for Matt it. Matt Stafford. Mm-hmm. Yes, you have Matt Stafford, you gotta have mortgages for Stafford. I'll tell you what, if Stafford did that sneak, broken play, whatever, nine yard run, and he fumbled the ball, I was like, it wouldn't I thought for gonna play for overtime, but he didn't. He nope. let Stafford go out there, and he made a play. So that was—I love it. Like,
0: that was yeah. huge, and that's a confidence yeah. thing for for all of them, yeah. right? I Stafford played really well last week. He,
1: yeah, played, he played really yeah. good. He, he played good. Which is a Lions fan. I like the guy. I have an autographed jersey up right here. I'm looking at it right now. I wish him all the success in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, but he is the running game. Um, are they going to be able to run the ball? I said 20. I said if the Rams run the ball 26 times, they're going to win. Spot hot 96. Um, but I think there's a Akers. Yeah. They were trying Akers, to. And nothing, uh, nothing, Not at all. He's just not game ready. Not yet.
0: Nope.
1: Nope. He had two bad fumbles, and he just doesn't look right running the ball. I think it needs to be a little bit more of like a 65, a tough, a 35 tough... Michelle way, just because Michelle's 100%. Acres mm-hmm. isn't 100%. Um, and, he,
0: he fumbled twice. I mean, they had four fumbles in that game. These two teams that we're talking about right here, the 49ers didn't score an offensive touchdown. Their offense has not scored a touchdown in the last 80 minutes they've played football. The yeah. 49ers, with which is pretty mind to think about, with Kittle and Debo and their running game, that they're like accidentally haven't scored a touchdown. And on the other side, you know, you've got the Rams who fumbled the ball four times and still oh, somehow God. won. They lost all four fumbles.
1: That was like a limping to the finish, at it's
0: and then uh, I mean th- when they got tied. There is no way in hell I thought that they were going to win that game. When that game got tied, it was like, oh, they're going to go to overtime and they're going to lose. There is no oh, shot. There was. I was n- like,
1: how the hell should I, I know that was, what was me too. I, was I like,
0: couldn't believe is. it. It was like, no, what? no, this does not happen again. Sure. Sure enough. I mean, so now on the Rams side, as we're and talking you about, talking
1: the- about dumb- you have a kicker, Matt Gay is hurt. That's another thing we haven't touched on. Gay is hurt. No one seems to be talking about that. Sure. What was it?
2: 46, yeah, 47,
1: whatever, like 45 to 48 yard field goal. Why are you had blitzing? You know what I mean? Why, like, why aren't you protecting against that?
0: Total prevent Maybe there because you know, know they I mean? can't,
1: like just, they can't make the yarder. You like, like give them some yards, but that's fine. But you can't give that. And then on top of that, everyone, why Belich is Belich is you're telling me like Belichick when it said, Hey, if by chance someone behind you, just let them score. Winfield should have just like cup score and yeah. like a Belichick coach is going to know that by them tackling, it did absolutely at that point. Cause there was still 30 seconds left in the game when that completion was made. You're better off than cup score and then just trying to get the ball back. Cause I think they did have one or two timeouts and trying to have Brady pull his magic, but yeah, I really felt when I stood out and I will say this and I'm sorry, I didn't, was I really felt every single coordinator that interviewed didn't coach. A you know what I mean? I, I don't, That's something I just felt like. Mm-hmm. The ball, the guy from the Packers, hack it, uh, a ball. They were
0: Their focus had way. to have been elsewhere. I mean, it's not that you they weren't trying to win and they weren't, but you're just not quite as prepared, right? You're thinking about, oh, man, am I going to get that job? Or like, oh, that could change my life. Or, are we going to move our family down there? Or what are we going to do? You know what I mean? Those things are... You were as
1: prepared. Those interviews take a couple hours. That's just oh, not like a normal job. Interview. And those, you got to go into them
0: with your... Yeah. Here's what, here's how I want to build a team, right? You've got yeah. something that you got to work on that takes a long time. Here's who my staff is going to be, right? Here's yeah. who, here's what we're going to do. Here's our offense. Here's our defense. That is like, that's, that's a lot a of preparation.
1: Month. And like that t- preparing. So yeah, I think that really stood out a lot. and was going for stuff. But back to this game. Um, yeah, the special teams, like games like this, like to me, this is an ultimate coin flip, and it's going to come down to the special who doesn't make an error. And if Gay can't make a field goal. So
0: there was a couple things on this while we're talking special teams that I wanted to mention The 49ers had an awful special teams early throughout most of the year But one thing that's key to mention as I was reading a little bit into it Is that their staff said that they were going and they have They've started using more of their starters on special teams now Because they're not as worried about these guys being tired or getting hurt, moving. they just want their best players on the field as much as they possibly can right now. Right? You're not, yeah. nowadays, you're not worried about tomorrow. So, for their last three games that they've played, they have played only worrying about winning that game, not worrying about what's going to happen next week. So, they're actually just having, so some of their, um, I mean, they, they got the benefit of the doubt last week. They blocked a punt and a field goal and they played against Green Bay, who was the worst special teams DVOA. And they, Green Bay last week had the worst special teams DVOA game of any team this year in any game, playoffs, regular season.
1: And they only had 10 men on, on the, the field, field,
0: on the final Which, play, the kick.
1: But I mean, after like, all of the, that, and that's, Green Bay's defense got better. LaFleur went out of house and hiring outside. He didn't do that with a special. This is the second year in a row the special like, wasn't, and this year mm-hmm. it costed them. And Tyson. now you don't know what. Rogers, Rogers going, he's staying, he's retiring. What's happening? So Hackett to
0: went to Denver, right? That was his guy, yeah. wasn't it? Yep. So that now there people are thinking that maybe
1: like, you don't know like what Hackett, he's never done this before. No you idea. Know what I mean, is it all Rogers? No is it, you know what I mean? It, what you have no, no clue. idea, but on the flip side, like I'll use in Chicago, they literally just hired Colts defensive coordinator whose name I don't even know off the top of my head. An utter Nobody, in, okay, who hasn't proven one thing. And then the flip side, you have someone them. Caldwell who's won a Super Bowl with Peyton Manning, won a Super Bowl as an offensive coordinator with Joe Flacco as his quarterback, and took the Lions, like two of the best of the team, seasons that the Lions have ever had. He's been in charge. Lions should have won a playoff game, screwed by Dallas. And what I was told by someone who I utterly trust in the Bears organization, Caldwell showed up literally. Had often designed for Justin Fields and like it, like it was mind-boggling what do you hired a defensive coach like so I mean like some of these mind-boggling but you know what I mean Just absolute but back to this um you look at the matchup the hand I mean what is he, is he like six and all in his last six games completely own this this coach which is matchup. which
0: is weird right like, so like, where hey, now at what point
1: block, and
0: and, 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 and I was I gonna mean? say because at what point like we always talk about how you know th- what makes the dynamic of this game weird is that. Normally we're saying it's really tough to beat a team Three times in a season but, but when we're saying that It's usually the team that's the favorite That's beat the underdog twice mm-hmm. It's very rarely this way Where you have the team that's favored By three and a half points but they've lost twice And it's funny because it You but still would I think the same up, thing bro. works You know the whole like Three three times in a season in the division It, it was a, a playoff stat That was with the favorites so it's weird
1: Yeah, I looked it up Like teams that are going for Like the third win it's happened 21 times the teams going for the Third win are 14 and 7 But so they're going for the third Win so I mean you know it's kind of like yeah yeah. It's you you
0: don't really take a whole lot out Of that and and this is this isn't A particularly difficult road Situation either you know all The conversation that's been had about when These two teams played each other last time The 49ers had a ton of fans Now as someone who lives Out here here in Southern California the The dynamic is kind of different because of, you know, the Rams leaving There probably would only be three or four teams that would get a really good support Against the Rams in the playoffs I don't think this would be like, it's not like with the Chargers When the Chargers play, kind of whoever they play usually fills the stadium For the Rams, it's basically, you know, the, the Packers, the Cowboys If they were to play them, but the two teams from California uh, that Well not the Raiders anymore but the two teams that had been In California for a while up in Northern California The, the 49ers and the Ra- uh, Raiders Like when I'm growing up Eric All of my friends that are Kids they're all you know wearing Ram or they're wearing 49ers Shirts you know they're Jerry Rice Steve Young fans you know so Those people are now our age And they've been yeah. fans of the 49ers or the Raiders or those teams their whole lives It's not as much a nobody Cares about the Rams thing it's just that there are a hell of a lot of people here in California that are that just grew up for a generation not rooting for the Rams.
1: Exactly, it's a really, really gonna be a weird dynamic. I think there's ticket restrictions from what I've heard. Mm-hmm. Like not GPS, you,
0: you can only yep. you can't buy them if you're like outside of the Los Which Angeles
1: area. It's Really, really weird Wh- to me. Whitworth's um, wife,
0: Whitworth's wife is trying to tell everybody, if you're trying to sell your ticket, I'll buy it from you. Yeah. She doesn't want to <laughs> well, sell Kelly. Them.
1: Kelly or email yeah. so um, yeah
0: the, the fact G. That they're trying so hard too, I don't Think I think if anything we could expect Something like a 50-50 or maybe like a 60-40 slightly maybe Rams but I don't Think it's gonna be like it's not gonna Be overwhelming either way and I don't Think either side will have any sort of An advantage based on the crowd
1: oh not At all it's gonna be a neutral field um You mentioned Jimmy G and zero touchdown Passes the stat I found was 49ers are Nine and two overall when he throws touchdown passes. <laughs> That's they are three and O in a playoff.
0: When he won zero
1: touchdown like what, passes.
0: And you know, like, what do you get? Like numbers like that, you know, you get to a point where, like you're saying, what do you do? We can dig into all of these numbers. I, I went through all of the how, how much he struggled 14 for 26, two interceptions during the fourth quarter in playoffs. Overall, 33, 33 out of 34 in big time throw rate, 32 in turnover worthy play rate. Um, offensive line ranks third. So even with a really good offensive line and Kittle and Samuel, they still have struggled to score,
1: but they're winning. It's just like, it's but I mean, nice. like the way the team is built. Run the ball, play defense, that's it They're and not going mean, to ever want to throw it 35 they're times not, yeah, you know? They're not going to, exactly They're just going to want, that's what's run the ball And they play defense And that's what, like, it's yeah. not they, like Green Bay, science.
0: Green Bay had the worst Offensive game in 22 Career playoff starts for Aaron Rodgers This was the first time in the 22 Starts that he's had Where they did, where Green Bay did not score 20 points In a game that he started In the playoffs
1: And they, let's be honest, like, and we saw great abs marched down that first drive and I know too you're like the oh well, me cuz I'm a couple hours ahead of you I'm like dude I'm going to bed early like, uh, I was
0: like this is going to get, get ugly bad. this is going to get bad. ugly and then they turn the ball over right after it just or Jimmy G got sacked right after like bad it was just like ooh the, that's I a will- couple things to hit on um about the 49ers so digging into last week now again it's it's hard to just take a lot of these things from last week because It was really cold That was a tough place to play The situation is going to be different this week They didn't really run the ball all that well As a team, 29 carries for 106 total yards 3.7 yards per carry Offensive line struggled a little bit too They gave up 4 sacks, 8 pressures Between a couple of the offensive linemen As a whole, they gave up a total of 11 pressures Hopefully Williams will be healthy this week That should help them quite a ton What the hell was that play? Did you see that play where they put him in motion? Williams? Yes
1: yeah, I mean they do that all the time. They've done it every like it, And it's, like, and just, it's they just
0: like, what, like, It's like, dude, just come! And, and, and sometimes it's like, but you get a little too cute, and that and that was one of the plays that ended up almost costing yeah. them. Um,
1: he gets creative; I mean, it, know, like, it hurts him. The kid, like these with Bell running the option. Like, I know. Why are you putting in the backfield? You, you know what? It just doesn't make sense. What are you um, doing there? Just doesn't uh, make sense at all. But I, I didn't mean. No, no, no! Please go. Yeah, no, no. go and I mean I think I think Stafford is gonna be able to create more stress on the back four of the, um of the 49ers if the front four can't you're looking at last week. I mean this is gonna blow your mind. Aaron Aaron Jones on target, Devontae Adams, the next highest person in targets, guess who it was? I mean I, I will lit I will 50 bucks if you can guess who it was. Actually I'll take that but I'll give you two hundred bucks.
0: It wasn't Mercedes Lewis, was it?
1: You're close. Dominic Daphne
0: with- I would have never like you could have said a billion dollars. <laughs> I would have never. And I, we we look at these David. things. We're, and we're yeah. watching these things. I would have never. Two. two targets. I could name 40 guys probably if we sat here for five minutes on the Packers roster. You know what I mean? Like I could name every one of the starters, probably all the. And I would have never, yeah, never. I mean, two targets.
1: Lazard one. Ruswan. won. Cobb one. And. Whatever the tight end whose name I can't pronounce, one. I mean, and Rodgers has this thing in on Adams, You know what I mean? And I, I think Stafford is starting to get that rapport going with Odell. He's high, finding Odell. Him and Cup have a great relationship. Higby's he's great he's using too. Higby. So he's gonna. And put your boy Van
0: Jefferson, man, he makes staff. plays all the time.
1: He's gonna, he's gonna put more stress on the whole unit than Rodgers did. Even though we both agree Rodgers is a better quarterback than Stafford, mm-hmm. Stafford's hit the ball a little bit, and that's gonna be. A little bit more stressful so I mean to me the key is can the 49ers front four create Pressure without
0: because we know that the 49ers can play ugly games and muck it up and win That's the way they've been playing right so even if the 49ers struggle a little bit To score that shouldn't be something that's new to them they've been in this situation Recently and we got the Rams on the other side I'm not sure what to think when you blow a 24-point lead. So they've blown 24 and seven-point lead, 20, and 17-point leads in two of their last three games. But there's these incredible McVeigh stats about when he's got the lead at halftime, yeah. and and it, so it's really weird. It's like, what do you, you know, what do you take from that? And last week, fumbled at the one-yard line, four total fumbles. They lost all four. They snapped the ball over Stafford's head. Normally, what when the you, hell was that? that was, <laughs> oh my God, okay. Like, and normally when you like... do this. I don't think I've ever seen that, like something like that before. Normally it goes like over the guy's head and like five yards. They lost 30 yards on that play. 30. I,
1: I, it was like a, a pass. Like, I, and that's only a break. Lose a fumble, then gain 30 yards. It was. Yeah. Like, it, what? It was, it was oh my God. God. It was, it was right
0: like, after. Yes. Yeah, immediately after the Tampa God. turnover. Because it was like, I, oh, okay, Tampa turned it over. So now the Rams are going to be able to just run a little bit of the clock here, and and we're we're not going to get this absurd comeback like it looked, Oh my gosh! And he snapped yeah. it over. But they missed I, the forty six field goal short. Oh, go ahead, go ahead.
1: No, go ahead.
0: I was just starting to blast some of the Rams' uh, shortcomings last week. I mean, Ramsey got torched in that fifty yeah. five yard touchdown to Mike Evans. They fumbled again. Inches of a game clinching first down. Both fumbles Cam Akers, um, he had one of the worst five playoff games on record Based on total D, uh, D-Y-A-R And fumbled twice and he had two first downs His longest carry only had nine yards He was stuffed eight times Five of those stuffs came on first and ten He got nothing, nothing And now you're just second and ten or second and worse Which is brutal Stafford though, man he was good Perfect Almost perfect on throws to his left, 13 for 15 for 93 yards and a touchdown. He also had a 16-yard uh, pass interference. Almost perfect on deep balls, 4 of 5 for 163 yards and a touchdown. Third down, 5 of 9 for 92 yards. He was actually ranked second last week based on the Football Outsiders' DYAR. So through two weeks, he has a better pro football focus grade than Patrick Mahomes does in the playoffs based on uh, his offensive grade. Last week, he had three big-time throws, just one turnover worthy play so
1: i mean he's he's playing great and um like i have i have a couple to give him his psychology and the mental edge he's gonna have now playoff win off the bat beat the best play quarterback ever in those eyes so i mean confidence wise and had, had to make the play out now. You know he had I mean? to make
0: the play to win he's the game
1: some, yeah he's done something that has been on him so i mean but on his back and he's so like mentally wise, he's in an in insanely good place right now because he's doing something all his life and his professional people have said he has it to do, and now he's doing it. So mentally, that's that's you have the 49ers who are trying to win four games in a row. I read this hasn't happened to sixty the Kansas City Chiefs did it. Like no team has gone on the road and won four straight games, which you know, it kind of blew me. I didn't know San Francisco eight hours in Los Angeles. That's a little farther than I thought it was mm-hmm. thought it was yeah i mean that's a legit that's a legit travel day there it so, is um yeah i mean this is gonna be a good game but it is um, you know bat line probably the book even though i do have a lot of books that's probably the book i use the most um tweeted out that he opened up the line at four and a half i got it it's down to three and a half and it's kind of held there to me it's a little weird i thought it would at least like trickle down to the then go up to the three and a half the fact it has it, it tells me that Books think the Rams are gonna win. So yeah, so I'm a little bit worried. I have a Sanford's future, but I still like my four and a half here. So mm-hmm. I do I'm too. The number is here. is great.
0: Yeah. It's just one of those um, things where it's like, you know, you were saying, and this might be a situation where they beat they just beat the Rams every time, but it, it's so weird for two teams that are I mean, evenly matched, the Rams are obviously favored. So I think on paper the rams might maybe have a, like a little bit better of a team overall but it they're e- they're evenly matched teams it's not as if one team is much better than the other especially not as if san francisco is like a much more dominant team for them to have so many wins consecutively like if we were to say san francisco won 9 out of 10 that would still that would be awesome but that means one of these games they're going to have to win like accidentally with as often as they play you sort of feel like the rams are just going to have one game where it's like oh okay it all sort of came together and then maybe the 49ers beat them the next few or it just, it seems so weird that they would lose 10 consecutive yeah. games in a row to a team like this, but it's it, just it, my it my does happen. You never know. But maybe it does you happen get
1: to the point. Like, does May start thinking, you know what I mean? Is it a critical time? And he's like, okay, they're going to expect me to run, you know, Michelle Akers, whoever hit I'm
0: kind of on both uh, of these sides. Right. You know, you do they, I mean? do they outthink each other?
1: I think more pressure is on McVay. to out. That's true. Because Shanahan can kind of be like, hey, you know what? We're able to run the ball. And, you know, let's not outdo it. Let's just pound the ball. Let's just run the ball. But the pressure will be on McVeigh. Hey, i they have Armstead. I got to do something. You know what I mean? Do I, you know, so I don't, like, do I, to Odell Beckham for a wide receiver option pass and he throws in a double coverage as a turnover, like. Armstead's been know. awesome like, lately, man. Yeah.
0: Armstead's been they, so good the last few minutes. games.
1: Yeah. Gardner's been great, been great. You know, they're getting to the quarterback. They're creating pressure. And at the end of the day, we can all talk about like Burrow, Mahomes, Stafford throwing the ball all over. But football's one in the trenches. And like, that's why I like him. And that's why I put the future on him. Like, you just look at the trenches. You look at the offensive line and defensive line of the four teams remaining. I think they have the best offense. I think they have the best defensive line. So that's why. Well,
0: one, the one team that would, uh, would like to maybe argue with you Would be the Rams Their pass rush last week was very very good It was oh, the God. most and then, and then Tampa obviously had a poor Poor offensive line out there But the, the pass rush was the most dominant unit On either side of the ball in that particular game Von Miller recorded a pressure rate On 25% of, uh, of his pass rushes And Floyd and Donald Also had monster games So if Von Miller is playing at that level That I didn't know he still had which we've kind of seen from him recently. His twelve pass rush wins against the Bucks last week was the most by one player in a game since Miles Garrett had thirteen against the Bengals in Week Two of twenty twenty. An incredible effort from uh, Von Miller last week.
1: Yeah, he played great, but um, the Bucks' offensive line is just so smashed. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It, like it is.
0: It's not. It's, it's not. And, like, it's we much know. worse.
1: Like, I, we, uh, Whitworth. We, it's, like I, I think it's what level he's capable of playing at. And if he can't block, it's kind block, of funny because I mean, like, bo- both Higley of them, in.
0: kind of Whitworth and Williams are sort of the same, right? Like, Williams, if he plays, they're obviously much better. If he's healthy, Whitworth gives the Rams a big, big boost. Either one of those guys aren't there. These lines are way, way dramatically different. Way different. Not they're way, different, way more vulnerable. Way more vulnerable. And that could be something that changes the game if that's something to monitor during the game. Yeah. <laughs> the Rams are up 27 3. So after going up 27-3, one play they lost a fumble, three plays punt, one play lost fumble, nine plays missed a field goal short, three plays punt, two plays lost a fumble, five plays and they kicked a field goal.
1: <laughs> it's just unbelievable. Just crazy. And also something to remember, Debo got banged up the Packers. Like they're saying he's healthy and everything, but he was laying on the ground. I thought he like how He, he was came running. out of the game for a few yeah. plays. Yeah, so He's gonna play, but may not be a hundred percent. That's something to keep in handy because I mean that guy doing—he's a legit weapon. And you know the 49ers, like like we said, they don't pass the Bell Wall. Two guys, Debo and um, Mitchell, that are great out of the backfield, and they have in the top three, four tight end in the game. Work in the middle. They have Jennings become a third down monster. They have Ayuk, you know, is decent, and they're getting Sanu back. So I mean they. They got some weapons, you know, it's gonna be on Can Jimmy G, like, you know, not throw any touchdown passes When he does it, and not turn the ball A
0: couple of fascinating games that we, uh, dived into From each and every angle, and we will preview them again for you On Sunday, 4th and Inches Make sure to tune in 4th and Inches at 1 o'clock PM Eastern Time We'll discuss first, uh, the Bengals Chiefs and then we'll discuss the Rams 49ers as there are Four teams left the final four in the NFL season for this Year Eric uh, what's on the Podcast this week for you what do you what do you have To to plug for uh, for coming up this Weekend
1: um yeah, like I talked DFS there. Like, give some guys I'm gonna be building around. Um, Wall Street, Wall Street. Whip of Wolf. Street coming on. Um <laughs> uh, Fan is just gonna talk about gonna hire. What's next with like their whole roster because their roster a little bit shambles right now. The you're gonna talk Royal Rumble. So, I
0: am coming. Uh, come and listen yeah, to me talk a little little rumble. We're
1: talk, but we're gonna talk betting because a nice. lot of people don't know like you bet on Royal Rumble. Oh yeah, I've hit a cu- couple things. Just gonna. Give out some guys that you so Yeah, we're gonna try to make some money better than the Royal Rumble. So, you know, it's gonna be a good time and you know, check it out if you're around and uh, yeah, you know, free basketball picks all over the today. Thursday sucked, but you know, we hit a plus eight fifty, plus two twenty the other day, so we're doing pretty good.
0: Nice. We'll uh, we'll start shifting a lot of our conversations towards basketball now in the coming weeks. We'll still have a few football weeks that remain. I think we may talk some fantasy stuff next week. We're discussing it, so maybe we'll uh, we'll uh, discuss maybe kind of doing a little recap about some of the things that we uh, that stood out to us From the fantasy season this year and, and then we'll get into the Super Bowl and Props and all the different ways We're looking at attacking that game We are almost to the end of the NFL season But we will quickly transition over And start talking more NBA And some college basketball Eric, thank you so much, buddy And uh, look forward to talking to you again this weekend
1: Sounds good, talk soon
0: Don't go anywhere, folks Still plenty more to discuss And there are only four teams that remain In the NFL mm-hmm. Time to talk some horse racing. And as we start, we have to let you know about daily racing form. That's the place that I go to do all of the research, all of the prep. Anytime I'm about to start looking at some races, I go to drf.com first. Right now, they're giving you the opportunity for free formulator. I'm always preaching formulator past performances. That's the type of past performances, which means you can actually formulate. What specific things you want. You can have certain stats that you want. Other stuff that's not important to you. You can get rid of that stuff. So they've always cost money to purchase. Right now you can get them for free. When you sign up for DRF bets. So here, here's what you have to do. You sign up for DRF bets right now. And you deposit 250 bucks. They will give you a $250 match bonus. So you will end up having $500. In your account. They're going to give you a $10 free bet. And if you sign up right now. With that promotion between now and April the 15th, you will be able to get 10 free formulator cards. Now, you have to use the code WINNING, promo code WINNING. That is important information here. Sign up, DRF bets, promo code WINNING. You're gonna get a $10 free bet. Then you make a first deposit of 250 bucks. They're gonna match that for 250. You will have $510, and you will have 10 free formulator cards that you can use at any tracks that you want. Following that, Every 50 bucks that you spend, that you bet, you get a card for free. That's how it should be, right? You're playing the races. Every time you're betting 50 bucks, you get another credit for a formulator card you could anytime you want. So this weekend, Pegasus, big day at Sam Houston, all of the prep races coming up at Gulfstream Park, at, at Oaklawn, at Aqueduct, at Santa Anita. Anytime you need help, you're going to have the formulator past performances. If you're betting those easy for you, it's going to make your handicapping so much more convenient. Check out that promotion right now. We're also going to check out what's going on over at Stable Door. Better, you
1: want to
2: spread your pony knowledge, by
1: Come true But no, no, no
0: Stable Duel Download the Stable Duel app and play today. Every week, every Friday, 10 a.m. Eastern Time, we have This Weekend in Stable Duel where Matt DeSantis and Barry Spears join me to discuss our best bets for some of the major Stable Duel contests that weekend. This weekend, I believe it's just going to be Matt. Barry's going to be headed to the Pegasus on Saturday and I believe he's going to be en route they're uh, so busy Friday for him, but for us, we will be talking about some of the stable duels at Gulfstream Park. There's a $50 top five. There's a free ride at Gulfstream on Friday. Santa Anita has two different options. Sam Houston has a game in Tampa, but the focus for Matt and for myself this weekend is going to be on Saturday. The Gulfstream Park Pegasus Throne, $50 to enter $40,000 in cash prizes. 50 bucks to enter. I believe you could win 15 grand. So, the details of this contest the biggest payout yet in the Pegasus World Cup over 15,000 right now, $15,200 to the number one spot, $5,600 to the second spot, $2,400 to third, $1,500 for fourth, $1,200 for fifth. You get $1,000 if you finish sixth. The top 90 placings will double their money. And pick up a hundred bucks. You don't even have to be one of the top five. Pegasus. Huge weekend. We're going to talk all about that Gulfstream Park card coming up here in just a bit. Right now, we're going to get into some Friday racing. Let's talk about Santa Anita for Friday. They do have a couple stable dual contests on Friday at Santa Anita. I have a couple best bets for you. We're going to look at races four and six. Let's start in remember. Three And I'm looking at the number 7 in here Glory of Chrome Glory of Chrome has been really consistent with a lot of these common rivals On December the 12th He had a good start inside, she did She hugged the rail, she settled 2 or 3 lengths off She's about 3rd, 4th She angled around 3 deep And she was right on the lead mid-stretch Thought that was a really nice effort On January the 9th She was in a good spot But they were lining up Across the track. So she had to take back to last and she ended up like 15 off of it. And, you know, it was a, she made a big bid up to within about a length or so. She just needs a better time to ride. She doesn't have to be so far back as she was last time out. Glory of Chrome, she 5 to 1. On uh, oh, 8 to 1 on the morning line Excuse me, 5 to 1 was sort of where I had her Had her stacked, so if she's anything in that 9 to 2, 5 to 1 range, let's make a win Wager on the number 7, Glory of Chrome We move to race number 4, 6 furlongs On the turf course here, I'm looking at the number 6 Swiss Sue. Now, on October the 31st, she was going six furlongs on the turf course. She had speed inside. She was too deep of five that were all trying to flash some speed. So she was in between. It wasn't the easiest spot to be in. She's had some legit trouble recently. And now I'm saying she, he, is one of the quicker in his last three. He's shown some really good speed. He was behind a horse named Misut two starts back, who came out of that race to win a 50 allowance next time out. The number six, Swiss Sioux, 12-1 to 1 on the morning line. If we can get anything around six, we're making a win wager there on Swiss Sioux. Let's get to race number six for third and final play on the Friday card at Santa Anita. Down the hill they go. I'm looking at the four, Spirit of Bermuda. Second time for Callahan, second off the bench. This gal was close up inside. She was sitting about third or fourth on January the 7th, a couple lengths off. And she angled out just a little bit flat. There just wasn't a whole lot of passing in that race. She'll be sharper here with that under her belt. The number four, Spirit of Bermuda. Seven to two on the morning line. Anything around three to one, we'll make a win wager. We'll also treat this one like an exotics single if you're playing any uh, exotics there on Friday. Anita. Okay, let's get to Sammy Houston for Friday. Get those past performances out. Let's start talking uh, about race number one. So we've got made-in $5,000 Texas bread, oh, $50,000 Texas bread claimers. Five and a half furlongs the distance in here. Towards the outside, you've got Fearless Prince. I really like the draw for him. He had not raced from January of 2021 to January of 2022. He absolutely need- He's now going to go second start off the bench. He's going to cut back from seven to five and a half. He's got speed, but he can sit from the outside. I'm going to use the seven and the six Victor Valentino kind of in top spots. I treat him like a total wild card. Blinkers on, drop. No, going to get to the dirt now. The five infinite jet setter, probably the one to beat, but he's not exciting for 11. And you've got the two and the three Euro Rockstar. Sure. I mean, he's probably the most logical winner in this field. He's eight to five. I mean, I'm not telling you. And the three Coleman Creek, I'm cold on him. That's what worries me about Euro Rockstar. Can he sit off a little bit? Maybe. But if he gets caught up in a battle between the two, the one, two, and three, That's why I lean towards the outside with Fearless Prince Victor Valentin. Let's get to race number two. Mile on the main track here. The number three, Musical Millie. Second start off the bench. She's really honest. She's performed very well on the dirt and on wet tracks also. I mean, she's fine on the turf as well. She's going to go second off the short break. I'm expecting her to take a nice step forward. She's going to be tough. The number five, High Class Euro. There is not much other speed. I think she has an opportunity to get brave out front. Then you've got the one and the six who are the other logical horses. I had them stacked three, five, six. As we move along to race number three, Maiden, $15,000 claimer, six and a half furlongs, the distance. I'm looking at the nine, Temple of Light, who was behind uh, a much tougher group of Maiden Special weights last time out. Got bumped hard, uh, knocked, got knocked to the side at the start against tougher going longer. The winner won that race by five and a half with a 70 buyer. And Temple of Light did out Finish the number 4 Aquimine last time out So I'm going to lean 9 I'm going to use the 5 as the uh the other logical horse in Oklahoma, he, if you want to go a little deeper, maybe the eight steely caper. I'm going to take a swing against the four. Let's move along to race number four at Sam Houston on Friday. Five furlongs on the turf course there. I'm looking towards the six creative letters who was just in a little too tough last out. Drew the rail, going to go third start off the bench. The lone turf try was at a mile. So you could be forgiving in uh, for him with his overall turf from cutting back in here. To the five furlongs, I'm going to use the six on top of the three, 50 shades of purple coming off that recent win. Now, you're fresh, you're going to try the grass, but this isn't a group that has like a bunch of success on the grass. So if you see horses that haven't run all that well on it or haven't had much on it, don't. That's how they all are in here. The one, love my ride, is the chalk, gets the inside draw, drops in from the Oklahoma bred allowance races to this turf claiming non three. Six, three, one, race five. Kicks off your late pick five, a mile and 70 yards. I'm going to look into the seven, Promising Shoes. I think you can make an excuse for the last race at Fairgrounds. They're just kind of trying to figure where he stacks up. He's run well at Sam Houston before. He's a 12-time winner. If you eliminate that last race at Fairgrounds and then the two-back starter allowance at Delta, that's a tough group. The form starts to look a, a little better. Promising Shoes needs a little help up front, though. He doesn't have a whole ton of speed. Attained success does. He'll be the one they have to worry about running down. And then you've got Millwood, who will try to save ground and launch from the inside. 7 3 2 for me in the fifth. Race 6 25 non 2 claimers going a mile on the turf course there. The 7 Irish Biz. I think you can just put a line through that last effort on the dirt and look back to the turf form. Last we saw him on the grass was, uh, last we saw her on the grass was against first level allowance to tougher group at Remington Park. This is a great spot for her. The number 9 will also be on some tickets. That's Thorny Rose, probably the horse to beat. And the deuce to Della you can eliminate that last start into tough what's wrong with the two starts back win at Remington going a mile coming from way out of it seven nine two in race six we get to the seventh race a mile non to There's 4 year olds. who I'm looking at the two Princess I love the debut race then they went over to Oakland Park and we're just in a little too tough Besame Mucho comes in from Southern California. Trying to find out where she stacks up around here. You can eliminate the turf race. Two starts back. She was a winner against 20 claimers. And she ran well prior to that on the dirt also. Sprinting. Two, three, five. I'm going to take a shot against the four Miss Americane Not Tough to knock overall. You can make a couple excuses for the races. Uh, one of the races, uh, the stakes went a little too tough. And then last time out was back in April. And then she went to the bench for a while. You toss those two races out, you're left with six top three finishes. We get to the eighth. 25 non four claimers, five furlongs on the turf course. The probably the least favorite race I had here, fetching, I would lean to the 1A, the six. We lose gold. Like I said, i at one, six, three, and then four, seven are the logicals underneath. But in a race where I don't love the, to try to play against them with one and six, ninth and final on Friday, five and a half furlongs on the main track, made in $25,000 claimers. I'll go to the seven, smart battle, who's 15 to one on the morning line. He drew the rail. Last time out, he was a step slow, but he moved through the inside to lead three others pressing to the outside. They were stacked five across the track at the top of the lane. He cut the corner. He tried really hard. He ended up finishing third that day. That was his first start since September. That was his first start for this barn. Now he's going to go as a first-time gelding. Nobody in here really scares the heck out of you. He's probably the quickest. couple horses to his outside that have some speed. Lab rats a little faster. But I think Smart Battle should be up in the early mix. Seven, four, Bold and Wild is the one to beat coming in from that maiden special. And the nine, Lab Rat, who I first time gelding, likely has a a flash, just didn't really get involved against better from the rail last time out. Eight, three, if you wanted to go a little deeper, Courageous Timmy, the first time gelding, the finish line, that is Friday night over at Sam Houston. Let's turn the page to Saturday. Before we do, we have to let you know about one of the longtime sponsors of That's What G said, the full service realtor Cindy Carava. Her website, C I N D Y C A R A V A dot com. You'll find out all the great information there about her contact info, some of her listings. She can connect you with lenders if you need help. Getting pre approved for a home loan. She can put you in touch with the right kind of vendors that will help you with the home improvement. If you can landscapers, painters, all sorts of people that she has. Cindy Carava is one of the kindest, most genuine people you will ever meet. She's going to make your life very. Check it out, cindycarava.com. That's the website that you'll find all the key information. Saturday, some going Park at Pegasus World Cup. They have the Pegasus races now, quite a bit, but we're going to get into uh, a lot of the stakes right now. So race five begins uh, some of the races that I, I had some opinions on. The one Sorel, I hope they get aggressive there from the inside. Always shopping is last year's winner. She's the horse, no doubt about it. you got Beautiful Lover, who's also pretty logical. But I'm going to lean the one Sorel. I'll put the one over four, six, and nine there in race number five. Sixth race, they go to the uh, synthetic handicap. And we go back to the turf in race number seven for the McKnight. They'll go a mile and a half on the turf course. The one Temple just kind of feels like it's a great spot for him. Nobody else in here scares the heck out of you. Temple should be able to save a ton of ground from the inside and forwardly placed if they want to go or may just sit right behind. So I'm leaning Temple, being anything in that like three to one-ish range. Don't really love anyone else. here. in So hopefully be forwardly placed and secure a, a really nice spot from the inside. The eighth race is the grade two, inside information, seven furlongs, four fillies and mares, four-year-olds and upwards. I like the number five, Four Graces in here. Four Graces was starting to get really good towards the end of her 2020 season, middle of 2020, multiple graded stakes winner. And then in the Raven run, she tailed off a little bit. She basically missed all of 2021. She showed up in the middle of, in June for one race where she showed a little speed and then faded. And then she was back to the sidelines for six more months. She returned in January. She was second behind a horse who basically went gate to wire and was able to get the jump on her. And she's going to get a lot out of that race. You could tell she started to really find her footing late. The number five, four graces. She's five to one on the wing line. Anything around seven to two, make a win wager there. The Pegasus, World Cup, Philly, and Mayor Turf. I look at the four Regal Glories, the one to beat. The five gift lists should be a fun price to include. I wish she had a race June. And that's what scares me a little bit. But at least that'll be built into your price. I do think the 7 is the most interesting here, nicest. And a a lot of times when people see horses coming from Southern California to the East Coast, they won't play them in these grass races like this. Nicest has some legitimate group stakes form in Ireland. Came over, tried the QE2. That was a bit too tough. Then she was behind Niji Blanche and Luck. Those are real legitimate quality animals. The number 7, nicest. Make sure to include her. In your exotics, there at Gulfstream in the ninth. We get to race number 10. It's the Fred W. Hooper. Thought this one would be a little bit chalky. The eight speakers corner, probably going to be tough to be fearless from the inside. I couldn't really get all that creep. Won't spend a whole lot of time talking about a race where I think it's probably going to be pretty form. The Pegasus World Cup turf, mile and an eighth. That's my major concern with my top pick, hit the road. The number five, hit the road, has had a little bit of bad luck recently. He had to get scratched before the Breeders' Cup, just a small issue. They were ready to run him on opening day of Santa Anita and a couple ra- uh, the rain came down so the races were taken off the turf. And you look around, this is a competitive group, but if Colonel Liam has a lot of class after that, who else scares you? Who else in here is a monster that would terrify you if you were a horse like Hit The Road? Face some really nice milers out in Southern California. Smooth like straight was second in the Breeders' Cup. Mo Forza who on his A game was so good. The number 5, Hit The Road. Sneaky trouble trip last time out. Kind of got shuffled back and had to wait, wait, wait. Both times, he kind of had to wait, wait, wait. Hit the row. I'll be using along with the one traveler, along with the six colonel. So, 5-1-6 for me in race number 11 there. As we move to the 12th, it is the Pegasus World Cup. Not going to try to get too creative. I think this is all about life is good. I, I haven't always been the biggest Knicks Go fan. If he beats me, he beats me at a short price. I'm fine with that. If you're looking for someone... To include with them in the exotics or someone who you think could take advantage if life is good and go end up battling. For me, it would be title ready. So I would use 4-7 in the exotics at Gulfstream Park in race number 12, the Pegasus World Cup. That is on Saturday. Best of luck. On Saturday, Gulfstream. We're going to move to Oaklawn. Take a look at a couple stakes races they have on Saturday. Two stakes races I wanted to look at Uh at Oaklawn on Saturday. We're going to look at race 9 and 10. Oaklawn, the 29th. It is the Gray 3 Southwest. $750,000 up for grabs. I'm on the 16th. The number two dash attack was really impressive. Now, he's been impressive in both of his starts. My major issue is that they've both been on and off racetrack. So we don't know. Is it that he's taking to the slop that well? Or is he just that good? I think he's just that good. And it feels like this race has a pretty good amount of speed. You've got Ben Diesel down towards the inside. I think Kavad will be forwardly placed here. You'd have to imagine Osborne's going to want close up. Barber Road to be there, no doubt. Call me uh, Jamal. So I'm looking for dash attack, save ground, and make one big late run in the grade 3. Southwest. In the King Cotton, six furlong, race number 10. I look towards the outside, and I look to Seven Nation Army. Now, he's going to go second start off the bench. I think he can sit third or fourth in here. His top-level races are really, really good. He was behind a horse named Knee Deep in Snow, who we're going to see show up at Sam Houston on Sunday. We're going to talk about in just a minute. The number nine, Seven Nation Army. I feel like Hollis is going to battle with Nashville, and then Seven Nation Army can kind of sit off from the outside. Number nine, Seven Nation Army. A couple races for Oaklawn, we haven't been talking as much Oaklawn race. We will start to get D1 now as some of their stakes cards and their big stakes days are coming We are going to head to Santa Anita next to talk some Saturday. Saturday, January the 29th. Anita will take some stops throughout the card. Let's first turn to pay, uh, pay to race number two. I played Viragio, the number five, uh, last time out. And it wasn't that he had a bad trip. He just couldn't really clear off. And I think he's definitely going to be the one to catch in here, stretching out. Expect him to be on the Viraggio, the number 5 in race 2. He's 6-1 to on the morning line. I'll play a few bucks if he's over 4, and I would throw him into your early pick 5s. To race number 5, maiden special weights, 6 furlongs on the turf course here. I'm looking at the 5, Darling Donna. She's going to get Lasix for the first time. Darling Donna tried long on the main track last time out, and that race was on a sloppy racetrack. Two starts back on November the 26th in her lone turf race. It was sprinting, five for along. She was inside. She was close up, but the three to her outside all wanted the lead, so she had to kind of wait inside. She did get a nice opening. She moved all the way up to second, but she couldn't get by the pace setter that day. Anything similar to that would make her very tough in here. The number five, Darling Donna. She's four to one on the morning line. Over six, uh, over five to two, we'd we uh, we'd make her win. The sixth race, I'm looking at the five map to my heart for JMS and corner. Third off the long layoff. Just second time over the dirt. She's going to cut back. She ran into a really nice one named Distracted Princess, who was a next out winner with a 93 buyer speed figure. Get ready for a big one. Third start off the long, long layoff for map to my heart. Love the cutback. Flash a little speed. There's not much other pacing that's proven. Number five. Anything around four to one. We'll make we get to the seventh race, the grade three, megahertz. I played Burgoo Alley. Another one we played last time out. I mean, she has a legitimate excuse. The race was taken off the turf. They went a mile and a quarter. And you can just eliminate that race. Look at everything prior to that. It's really good. She has legitimate sprint speed. There isn't much pace in I think Burgoo Alley be right up in that early group. Four to one on the morning line. Anything around five to two feel. The eighth race is the Palace Verdes. I go towards the outside with Aurum who has really got a little more punch when you cut him back from a mile. Look at his two six furlong races. Two of his three six furlong races, they're excellent. Another one he had legitimate trouble, and then he was off for a few months. I loved his last effort. He's drawn really well. The number six, Aram, who was 4-1 on the morning line. Anything around three, feels fair. The finale on Saturday at Santa Anita, I'm looking at the two. Give me Mo Baby in race number nine. Blinkers come off, first time Lasix. She's going to come into the Richard Baltis barn for the first time. She ran behind a horse named Tesere, who won a grade three race next time out. Almost three months off, so now plenty of time to get acclimated for the new barn. A really steady work tab here. An excellent underrated turf rider in Brees Blanc jumping aboard. The number two, Gimme Mo Baby, six to one on the morning line. Anything around 4 we'll make a win wager there. That is Saturday at Santa Anita. Don't forget about those Pick'Em contests. Free to enter. Pick'Em.Sananita.com and you win 500 bucks if you are the top winner. Saturday, each Sunday, doesn't cost you a cent to enter. Pick'Em.Sananita.com Let's finish up Saturday talking about Sammy Houston. And uh, let's run through this card. Race number one, 5,000 non-two claimers, a mile and 70 yards. I look at the 4 E-Town who just comes out of some of the better recent races. You've got the three concrete finisher for Broberg, first start off the claim. Towards the outside, you've got Smart Call, who's going to go second start off the bench. The two and three back races are not bad at all at Canterbury. And then you've got the two, Monster River, who's the lightly raced, most likely winner, and the horse to be in here. I stacked them four, three, two, six. We turn to race number two. Maiden, 10,000 claimers, five and a half furlongs, the distance. The number seven, Mom's Prayer, I talked about last time, and she's now going to be making her third start of the meet at Sam Houston. She's drawn well. She has speed. She's going to be dropping from Maiden Specials to Maiden 10 claimers. This is a much better spot for Mom's Prayer. The number two, I'm a Cruel Girl is the, the one to beat the blinkers on. And Alimony Blues, Will be in my exotics, but if the seven can clear or can maybe sit just behind in alimony blues, goes and fades, maybe mom's prayers fall in falls in a good trip. The number two, I'm a cruel girl, will come closing. Seven two four in race two. We get to the third. Maiden twenty five thousand dollar claimers. Six or five furlong on the turf course. The number three, Wilton. The Sam Houston turf race really stands out. And he went over to Belmont and, and was in a little bit too tough there. Ran into a horse named Bally Dooley who won in a 50 starter allowance and then won won a first level allowance at Belmont two a couple starts later. Wilton, the top selection for me, and possibly even a single because just not much else to grab onto. You got the six Air Force Angel, first time gelding who has a you know a couple okay grass races. You got first time starters in the four and the five. Not a whole lot there. The dam produced. Three turf, or the dam had three turf wins with stakes placed. For the five, uh, the dam was second on the grass. Three, six, one. The one, congrats for glory. Second off the bench. I mean, it's the horse to beat. Inside speed, they're going to get set. But I like the three, Wilton. Race number four, I'm looking at the number four, Kylie Two Socks. This is a Texas bred maiden, low level, $50,000 maiden claimer at the bottom. But it's not, these aren't the the monsters in here. Kylie's Two Socks is actually Pretty competitive against maiden special weights, Texas spread maiden special weights, right here at Sam Houston. Ran well first out, and we know that she can pass. The number five, Kylie's two socks, is going to be in my exotics, along with woohoo, the number six, coming off of that third place effort. You got my racing heart to the outside, who's drawn well, super logical. And the five euro rich girl. I stacked them four, six, seven, eight. Five. Move along to race number 5 at Houston 15 non-breeze, 5 furlongs The turf course, the 1 Amerdeen showed up with some really good Turf races at Sam Houston each of the Last 2 years, I'm going to give her another Shot in here, from the inside I will include the 7 gray zone I thought those were the, the 2 that I, I need On all my tickets, 1-7 We'll use the 8 rumpus Who you can go back and find some really nice races That Evangeline race in July is Excellent on the turf going 5 furlongs And the 4 docs Danita, I mean, the three, the two, three, and four, you have Eccleberry, Luzzi, and Elliot on bombs, and I'd imagine they're going to take some money just because of the jocks. Of- Let's get to the sixth race start of your late pick four. I'm looking at the 1A, Can Saree. Now, their horse took a little bit of interest in the debut. Last time out, showed much more speed, was too deep of five, was in between horses, that late a little bit of late energy late uh, in the debut at Oaklawn, Kind of like a harness pattern. I think the one, trying to figure out where she fits, but I, I, it feels like she's got some ability. I'm going to include a five Miss, Empire, Miss Empirement underneath, but I'll, I'll play the one and single the one to try to beat the heavy favorite of the five in here. The four bearing special. Nothing wrong with that debut race, if we can get something similar to that. That was against Oklahoma Bread, made in special. Then you've got the seven proud foot towards the outside, on the slight cutback. Maybe that could make this Philly a little fitter. 1A547 in the sixth. We move to race number seven, 25,000 non-two claimers going a mile on the turf course here. I looked at the 6, falsely accused, they are just kind of trying to figure out where this guy fits. He came in from Golden Gate, he was at Emerald Downs, and over to Remington Park, and they tried First Level Allowance Company a few times, should be a much better spot. Or falsely accused, the number 2 high tone at a nice price, look at the turf races in November and October, those would fit very, very. 9, the 8, a little more logical with Drew Power and Carpe Eros, wouldn't talk you off of them but not necessarily ones that I'm going to be singling will have in some way, shape, or form. The ninth race, Maiden $25,000 claimers, five and a half furlongs the distance. Let's go to the number nine, Queens Caballo. The chalk in here will be really, really tough. The two, Talkative is the first time starter that I would include, so nine, two. You don't see me often just putting the chalk on top, but that was one where I just, I couldn't really creative. We'll close things out. Texas Spread, Maiden Special weight, six furlongs on the main track. I like the one Jan's turn to win. She had a brutal, brutal trip last time out. She had not run since June. She should take a big step forward off of that race, and she's coming back pretty quickly. She raced just nine days ago. The two I'm a Sky Traveler, gosh, I was expecting a lot out of her in in January. It's kind of flat, but now with the rail draw, I'd imagine they're just going to send hard from the inside. You've got the six one racy lady who I've got in the third spot. One, two, six, and then the eight and the nine are, are the obvious. So you've got Lightster and Ring Bling Just depends on how you've approached races prior to this. But I will, I will have one, two, and six in most exotics. I'll have one, two at Saturday night over at Sam Houston.
1: So you wanna set the mood? You're looking for something
0: all natural, soy wax, non-toxic, maybe, sets for every season. Now don't be afraid, baby, just spell it out. dot Get promo code
1: 10CENTAL.
0: Great gift. Anytime you're looking for a friend or family, someone you're not sure what to get, give them a candle. SarahCandles.com, C-R-A-Candles.com. All natural, soy wax, free from toxins, free from carcinogens, free from pollutants. As we head on over and start talking some Sunday racing, we've got a big day at Sam Hughes. 11 days on the card, or 11 days, 11 races on the card. Six of them are stakes, two graded stakes races. Jessica, pa- Jessica Paquette joins me to talk about all of the stakes races. We go from races 5 through 10. So I'll talk about the races before the 5th. I'll bring Jessica on. And then I'll sort of recap some of our uh, our thoughts there. As we finish up this episode with Sam Houston Sunday. Nothing too crazy in the first. Polaxi is going to be tough. Seven furlongs just feels perfect for this guy. He ran into Sam's time. Who came back a really nice winner. Um, I guess he held on. But he was it was a good effort from Sam. Sort of got a little late. The 4th Skywave Speed. Now you're coming in from Oaklawn Park. You're going to get stepped up and protected. He could be the one they have to run down in here. 3-4 in race number one. Race number two, I looked at the two. Keen, Cat, was part of a group of six horses that all wanted the lead. Five deep in that group and in between. Just not an e trip at all. He did win really impressively back in October. And then he ran into a, a pretty tough group at, in November. Last time out, that tough trip. So... You can sort of go race by race and make some excuses for it. The number nine, Sparky Hale, will go second off the bench, drawn well, and can sit. A six-timed event. First-time gelding needs to step up a bit, but it was a good effort on January the 13th. Not too far off ever. Maybe that's the similar type of trip just off the pace they look for. In the third, Texas bred Maidens, three-year-olds, old 6 furlongs on the main track here. We're looking at the four, Bodymore Heath. Second start off the bench, first time Blinkers, first time Gelding. Gustafsson should have this one ready for a top-notch effort. The number four, Bodymore Heath, is going to be very, very tough. The seven, Top Hat Cat, logical, face better, speed, and doesn't have a whole other ton of proven competition. Top -hat Hat Cat. The fourth race, a non-two allowance for Texas Breds. I looked towards the outside. My golden M completely missed a break last time out. Then had to move from right near the back, six lengths off. Big wide move right up to in contention. Looked like he was going to win and then flattened out and gasping for air late. Just a different type ride. He wins this race. Really, really, really tough with a good effort. The number 11, my golden egg. Next up begins the stakes races from races 5 through 10. We will talk stakes, so I'm going to bring on Jessica Paquette to help me out, discuss races 5 through 10, the Saturday stakes at Sam Houston, the Sunday stakes at Sam Houston. The big day coming up at Sam Houston is on Sunday. It is the Houston uh, Racing Festival and Ladies Classic there. This day has just grown over the last Couple years now we have six stakes Races two graded stakes races Big fields all over and just Jessica Paquette is going to be moving from the warmer weather this weekend. Uh, For someone like me in in California, anytime it gets under, like, 70, I'm like the people in Texas getting a little cold. But it's probably different for you, Jess, from where you're headed to Texas this weekend.
2: Well, I'm actually cold kind of all the time, unless it's the middle of summer. Like, colonial downs and the 95-degree days really agreed with me. So, you know, this, like, 4-degree weather here in Massachusetts this morning is not for me. So I'm very happy to get on a plane and get somewhere – Anywhere else
0: it's been so great to see uh, how well you've been doing over the last uh, couple Years for initially i think with sam houston for a little while after i mean everybody remembers you Being over at suffolk and then it, you just sound, like jumped right back into the, the the racing scene all Over the place different tracks helping out all the time colonial and um so you're gonna be making The trip back out there again right this will be the second time you've been out there for the meet
2: Absolutely. No, funny enough, remarkably, not everyone remembers me from Suffolk. Someone actually asked me the other day if I'd ever been to Suffolk Downs. What?
0: What? <laughs> it's like the <laughs> fact that they asked that they would put, you know what I mean? It'd be like someone that might know you might not know Suffolk. Right. And it, like, was a, oh, it
2: was a racing person, too. And I, I just, so um, funny. I, yeah, 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 that's great. So, yeah, um, no, I mean, yeah, I've never I've never been. I heard it was a nice little friend. M- Must have been
0: nice. Well. <laughs> <laughs> um that's so funny to think about how uh like these new like I, I I would figured it was probably someone who just got into racing the last couple years may have seen you around at Sam Houston Colonial. Oh, I like this girl. She does a great job. I wonder what she's done before. And then <laughs> no, not not the case. Um Jessica, gosh, what a great job they've done over at Sam Houston. Um it started a few years ago with our friend Chris Frank Hopp over there doing a fantastic job. The whole team together, they had a plan. They just wanted to make uh, to put out the best racing product that they could They wanted to treat the fans the best way They figured you know what We'll low, We'll make sure we have really low takeout For almost all the wagers We're going to bump and put a bunch of money that we get From the state back into the purses And we're going to try to make the broadcast As best that we can We'll bump it into HD We'll try to bring a, a lot of different people From uh, all across the country To help handicap the races And promote our stuff it just They've had a plan and it's worked really really well
2: well, and it's so fun because there are people from all over the country involved promoting the product that on a Thursday or Friday night, it feels like you're watching the races with a bunch of your friends on Twitter. And it, it's, it really encourages, I think, people to get involved and pay attention. They've done just a phenomenal job building the product. The Texas breeding program as well continues to develop Um, more and more. There's an incentive to have a good Texas bread.
0: Bigger money in the purses we're going to see um, I think I'm going to be making the trip out to Sam Houston In two weeks for One, um, one of the uh, preview nights and then there's oh, Texas
2: I'll see you there Yeah
0: that'll be a lot of fun That's the 18th, great. 17th, 18th, 19th weekend I think I'll be there yeah. for a few days So that'll be fun I haven't been out there yet and uh, We'll definitely have to say hello and have a, a meal uh, of, of some sort And um, It just I've been so impressed. This is someone who's been a fan, someone who's watched this product for a lot of years on TVG. You know, I covered it for a few years, and then there would be somewhere I just, I, out of sight, out of mind. I wasn't really paying as much of attention to the the product, and then I just started seeing. I became more of a takeout snob as I got older, right? Like the more I bet, I was like, gosh, I'd, I'd sure like more of my money back if that was possible. <laughs> you know, wouldn't that, we wouldn't all? That be great? Right? Wouldn't that be great? So, um just can't I can't enough uh, praise Frank and and everyone over there, Nick. Uh, how about Nick before even the race. Nick How is so Oh my. I sent him a message the other day and like I pride myself on being someone who watches all the replays, all like annoyingly amount of replays, some that I shouldn't even need to watch just and I'm so I'm listening to so many calls. He is so smooth, so smart, so eloquent and funny. Kind of puts he's
2: them great. I, I, I can't say enough good things. When I was calling the quarter horses horses last summer, I was so disappointed that he did the two weeks before me because he set the bar so high, and he's he's just wonderful. I can't say enough good things.
0: So we'll hear Nick back again uh, on Sunday. He had some uh, sad sad family stuff to deal with this week. We're all praying for him and thinking about the loss that they had. Uh, but Chris Griffin is going to be back, hanging out for a little while. So that should be really cool. I saw you. Post and I'm you-
2: calling the races on Friday too. It's. Oh. Uh, you know, it's a, a, we all rally for our friends in racing. That's we're more so, than happy to fill in and help out.
0: Oh, we cannot wait to hear you out there calling the races. So let's talk about the uh, the weekend. On on th- what a cool week! Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday of racing. You and I are recording early Thursday because you're about to head uh, on your uh, your flight over there to Sam Houston. So Sunday they have that special Sunday day post. Cool weekend, couple football games Everybody's going to be kicking back, watching the games Playing Sam Houston on Sunday And we have six stakes races, two of them graded They start in race number five Now i got to say, they have changed this To the Pulse Power Turf Sprint This used to be one of my favorite names, it was the FU Turf sprint, yeah, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> the, um, That's let's, nice. That
2: we both have the sense of humor of a sixteen-year-old boy. That's good. I, mean, ha, ha, ha.
0: I think you, Jason Beam. I feel like we used. To, I used to text with him about this every now and then. So I'm, we all would ha 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 chuckle <laughs> chuckle in the back of the classroom right, as, the, as the teacher mentions it. But um, this turf, like this turf sprint, is legit. This is a really really good group. That is signing on I mean you, you imagine From the inside there are probably a couple horses That are going to take some support there and then you've got Mike Maker who ships in just Loaded for all of these races Seven cents uh, Seven Archdust Bad Beat Brian probably Are the ones that get bet the most In here but there are other directions to go Who are some that you're looking at if you're playing exotics
2: so I think I think this is sort of the chalkier of the stakes races for me. I think that beat Brian tough to beat. I'm a little intrigued. I have to admit, with the other other Steve Asmussen horse here though, the Grinning Tiger oh, with Stewie Elliott aboard, I'm just a, li- a little intrigued. I think he might be the quickest of the speed. There's it's going to be a hotly contested pace, but he has some backlash. I don't know. He's one who might get overlooked and, because you're seeing Joel Rosario ride for Steve, and you're getting some of these big big name riders. But I'll take Stuart Elliott on the home turf any day.
0: Yeah, bad beat Brian, I do feel like he's the one to beat in here, no doubt And no pun intended But Grinning Tiger's interesting If you're looking for maybe one or two other sort of price horses You know, Americanus is lightly raced Seems to have a a lot of excuses for the last couple That Kentucky down six and a half race is actually pretty good And then they just went a little bit longer on the turf You may be able to make an excuse there Um, And then um, Tut's revenge You know, his lone try going five It puts him in a different spot He becomes much more of a stalker than when he's going long And he's sort of using that just kind of Freewheeling, kind of controlling speed Where he'll either be up on the front end Or just kind of running loose towards the outside He might be able to sit And wow, what a great start to the meet For a few weeks Rye Eckleberry's had, huh?
2: On fire
0: Unbelievable so that's a look At the turf sprint which is going to go As race number five there Five furlongs on the turf course We jump into the sixth race It's the $200,000 Bob Bork Texas turf mile For three year olds Another really really good one And uh, I guess we have to start the conversation again With Mike Maker I mean stolen base ships in You also have Pure Panic He's done done just a, a, a really good job Of bringing live horses into all of these stakes races over the last few years, and I mean, he's probably got the measuring stick runners in this race too.
2: Sure, and I stolen base, I do think looks awfully tough here. However, going for a big long shot here. Uh, This is actually one of my stronger opinions on the card. I think this is a very deep race. I like number one, Bloodline. He certainly lives up to his name. Uh, He's out of a mare named AP Dream, who is the daughter of Dream Supreme. Probably my favorite broodmare of all time. I saw Dream Supreme in person when she was racing. And you know how there are those horses that just have such a physical presence, they stick with you? That was her. Um, she was just a physical monster. She's been a great broodmare, and this one, unproven on the turf, but I think it's very interesting trying. Has been keeping pretty good company as well. If you look, uh, he ran against Trafalgar, who ran pretty well at Fairgrounds the other day in Green mm-hmm. and Company.
0: And I think they just said that Trafalgar is going to come back to uh, and try that next prep too. The, the next prep, I agree. No, why not? He's interesting. Um, also, a very good show on Netflix starring Kyle Chandler. Uh, you can check out Bloodline. Um, I'm gonna get to the outside too with one more I wanted to mention. Now I don't think that this horse will probably get bet a little bit. I mean, just just solely on the connections. But Red Run, the only time this guy was on the turf, that was September the sixth. There were four next out winners that day. Tis the bomb. Who won, came back to win the Grey 2 Bourbon Next out, then he was second in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf. The 7th place finisher Won a stakes at Presque Isle next out The 8th place finisher won a maiden special weight Next out. The ninth place finisher Won a $40,000 claimer next out And in that turf race, he was at about 10 lengths off at one point And closed really really well to finish Fourth and when you're a closer and you've got Joel Rosario aboard one of the strongest Finishers in the world I don't think he has to be as Far back as he was in that Kentucky race either I'll probably throw him into some Exotics uh, you mentioned the one I had the one Stacked third here and then stolen Base I kind of had them right in the in Between those two in a cool Like a really fun race because if we get a couple Down towards the inside like that, start going quick. Uh, Doagic Chief, Malibu Thunder, Chan So. If those horses go fast down inside, it could really get things a little crazy. You know, things could really start to fall apart.
2: Yeah, I, I think this is one of the more interesting and very bettable races on the card for sure.
0: We have two graded stakes to discuss Let's jump into race number seven It starts a late pick five a Pick five that has four out of five stakes races And a late pick five that has two graded stakes races In the sequence So the morning line favorite in here Is Pauline's Pearl And just a, a shout out to The racing office over there um, I had Martha Clausen on the other day And we, it took me like three minutes To list the connections That were just shipping in Like people that have not even started a horse Or have, or either a jockey or a trainer that have not started a horse at the meet yet. And they just shipped in for these stakes races because they're so exciting. There's there's such big money, um, and and this is a fun race. Like you just look at some of the connections around. You've got obviously Asmussen and Rosario, and and you've got big names coming in. You've got Tyler Galfione riding towards the outside. Raylu is back after that excellent last year. What a great great job he's done just nationally, all over the place. I mean, yeah. he, anywhere I mean he and goes, he goes he
2: everywhere. He goes where I mean, uh, Jose keeps him busy.
0: And, and I mean it would it, Jose is sort of like the Carl Broberg Of jockey agents because he can He has so many agents and he has His hands in so many different condition books That it's like oh this is where you go Perfect this is where you fit you know like he can just Place everybody with the horses that they Know well with the, with the connections they know Well so I mean I guess you gotta Start the conversation with Pauline's Pearl in here she's coming off that recent win
2: Certainly, she's the one to beat. And this race has sort of built itself to be a stepping stone for horses to go on to, I mean, award winning campaigns. So you wonder if she's going to be the next, you know, a big player in the Philly and Mayor division this year. And after a good sophomore campaign, why not? Yeah, she ended the season with a win. Obviously, looks very tough. And I bet with her pedigree, she kind of is a better horse and a more developed horse at four than she was at three. Wouldn't surprise me if she wins for fun. I am going to try to beat her with uh, Johnny Ortiz and Ray Lou with the Mary Rose because I am nothing if not a good company woman. And this uh, this horse I got to see at Colonial Downs a few times, and I liked her there. She, this is a big test for her, obviously, kind of stepping up to the deep waters and graded stakes company. But it's you, know, it's,
0: you it's, don't like know you if talking, you don't try. Yeah, and you were talking about how the in the last few years – We've seen a lot of these runners who have won this go on and have really good success. But I do think that in the last couple of years, at this point, some of the horses in this race may have been a little more proven. I mean, if you think about sort of like when Latruska's coming in a few years ago with, with Midnight Bee, Lady Apple, and some of those groups. This group is contentious, but it's not quite as deep as some of the others. A horse of like the Mary Rose, who's let, sort of lightly raced in that. She's not done a whole lot for the new barn recently And it seems like that was just a Whoa, wake-up call kind of win I think she's absolutely the type That could come in here and win this race I lean towards Audrey's time What I, I looked at, there's I like playing the common rival game And we have one of them between the two Audrey's time and Pauline's Pearl You see, back in, uh, back in July, Pauline's Pearl Ran into a horse named Army Wife Who's very, very nice Army Wife was actually 4th in that fall city race on November The 25th and I think Audrey's Time having an, like Another year of facing older Like look at some of the the older Mayors and Phillies and Mayors who she faced and Vui Taunt has earned 931,000 A multiple graded stakes winner Bonnie South who's been up and down the, the top levels of the graded stakes for Phillies And Mayors the last couple of years she's a Grade 3 winner multiple grade 1 placed She's also earned almost a million bucks Tons of respect for Pauline's Pearl But Audrey's time has a more recent race She's faced older and Pauline's Pearl Will have to deal with the older for the first time So I'm going to lean Audrey's time In this uh, in this Houston Ladies classic and if I was trying to beat Pauline's Pearl the other one I would use Would be the one that Jessica mentioned in the Mary Rose So yeah Some some nice fillies and mares I, I would honestly any of the the ones that we mentioned I could see them having an Awesome year and going on and winning A couple graded stakes races uh, af- After this springboarding them
2: This is a super race I mean everyone should be tuning in Uh, We may see a future star or star On the rise for sure
0: and then how about the Next one the John V Connolly Race number eight grade three a mile And a half on the turf course they had an Overflow field I mean You can just Make cases for so Many through this field Last year a journey to Freedom just missed In this race he was beaten Just a neck and he went on, and he, you know, I guess after that race, he probably would have expected a little bit more from him throughout the year. But with his running style, it it sort of makes it harder for him to be consistent going long. He's kind of at the mercy sometimes of. Well, of, there's
2: one thing he got in in this race last year that he uh that he did not get. his Starts following that he also wasn't running on lasix again. So I'm yeah, intrigued. I'm intrigued by that. You would have initially looking at him that the lasix is what moved him up and got him a little more competitive than no lasix. Um. Yeah, he's one. If I wonder if he was a little tough to figure out.
0: Yeah, Joel seems like a perfect fit for him. He's had great success with him before, and he's back aboard. So I mean, he's probably like he's he's the one they'll have to hold off. How would you look to it? Like if you're playing pick fours or pick fives, you know, m- what might be your approach in this race?
2: I think you have to go a couple a uh, couple deep. This is a I race agree. where you yeah. really need to invest. Um, I really am intrigued by number six Fantasioso. So I love these Argentinian horses. Um He's a true long-distance horse. There are some horses here that I think the mile and a half is a real stretch for them. He's one that can hold his own against this field. He ran very well um, in the in the Jerkins at Gulfstream going two miles last time. That was also his first start since October. I think he'll be a little sharper here. Not the most consistent horse, for sure, but um, very capable. Now, a big long shot. Uh, don't count out hometown horses here. And Number one, conviction trade. Yeah, he's done very well on this Mm -hmm. turf course. I think he can stretch out. I love the added distance second start off a little bit of a layoff. The distance isn't a problem for him. He loves this turf course. Huge turn of foot. And another rider that has been doing quite well this season at uh, Sam Houston is Lane. Uh, Lane Luzzi just been on fire. His timing's been great on the turf, and he's been doing very well for the Caldwell Barn too.
0: And what I love about Conviction Trade is he'll he'll be a little more forwardly placed going longer than he was going the mile, but he's not a, at all a horse who just needs the lead. Like he showed you last time out, he can absolutely track, make one big late run, or maybe sit sort of mid pack if he has to. And, and the the pace scenario in this race is fascinating because I think with him, and then a horse like the three Tide of the Sea, I mean, he is super capable of stealing this type of a race if. Maybe Conviction Trade says, oh, you know It worked so well sitting off the pace last time Let's just let's not get quite as aggressive Let's try to, you know, take back and make one run Tide of the sea can go You see on the bottom of the page, he stole the McKnight Which is, I think, on this same weekend over at Pegasus um, Coming up this weekend And he's a grade 3 winner at a mile and a half He's a multiple stakes winner Just depends on what kind of pace, you know You have maybe one or two others in here with Conviction Trade With uh, with Dino uh, Might I thought one that I'll probably throw in uh, on a lot of my tickets, Jess, is the number nine, another mystery, who he was sixth in this in 2020. He's got to prove it going this trip because his. His best races seem a little bit shorter He hasn't quite been as good But I think you can make some excuses for them When you see his races going really long They're in tough spots You see he's in the Hollywood Turf Cup against Arklow Another race a couple starts back in the Sycamore Behind Spooky Channel and two Emmys Didn't quite get the the race shape that he would have needed In a spot like that So I'll probably throw him in I mean another cool uh, connections teaming up here You have Loveberry and Chris Block Who we've seen win tons of races together Through the years But they don't have a lot of horses that show up here at Sam Houston
2: no, this will be a lot. We're getting a lot of new faces here. This will be great.
0: Uh, in this race alone, you got the like the logicals, like you mentioned, with the inside, the locals, J.R. Caldwell and Luzzi You got Joe Sharp and Lannery, uh, Maker and Gaffleone. You've got Lauer and Franco. You've got Van Berg and Pedroza Jr. You've got Graham and Correas, all out of town connections in here. Loveberry and Block, who I mentioned. Beskiza and Joe Sharp, another one. DeSormo ships a horse in. Um, just. When the money's there, you know, two hundred thousand dollars graded stakes, um, black type up for grabs. Yeah, they will show, show up. You
2: show up. They're going to show up. Though and, I have to say, as someone who comes from a small tr- with a with a background in a small track, boy, am I rooting for the local guys to take the big money?
0: Right. It, it's in a couple of these races, at least in a yeah, couple. Yeah, for sure. You, you want? You, it would be so cool to see a, especially someone like Caldwell it, with yeah. with the horse you mentioned, Conviction Trade. Caldwell, Luzzy, local connections. What a. a phenomenal last two years that Caldwell has had because he's always had success. But last year, the start of the year at Sam Houston, that meet that he had, it, it was a lot last year was a lot of him and Goncalvis. They were just winning everything.
2: Yeah. I, I always root for the local the local guys in a spot like this.
0: Such a cool opportunity for them um with the uh, the big spotlight shining. We got a couple more stakes to get into. Race number nine is the Stoner side sprint, six furlongs On the main track here Jess uh, There'll be $75,000 Up for grabs Who are you looking at uh, To use in some of your Exotics in here?
2: Well I mentioned earlier That there's a real value In having a good Texas spread And Direct Isle Is a horse that Definitely comes to mind I mean he's the kind of horse That makes me a fan Of racing 32 starts 11 wins He shows up Every single time, and he can run against open company. This is not just the kind of horse that needs the comfortable waters of of statebred company to rack up the wins. I think he can. I think this is a stretch for him. This is a tough field, but I wouldn't count him out at all here.
0: Direct Dial is an 11 time winner who's earned over five hundred thousand dollars. I believe he was the 2018 Texas Horse of the Year, announced by the TTA. He is a real, real quality. Uh, always rooting for him when he shows up. He loves Sam Houston. He knows this racetrack well. The five knee deep in snow, he just comes into this that's race.
2: That's what everyone's going to be here on right? Saturday. Oh, that's
0: you. That's it's, <laughs> when I see when I see those pictures being where I am in in Long Beach, and I'm like looking, and it's like, oh, it's going to be 48 tonight, and I'm like wearing two pairs of sweatpants and all bundled up. It's like it's a different world. Yeah. You know, like I'm like I can't. It doesn't even makes sense to me that that's like the same country that I'm in because it just seems so far from where I am and what well, I'm like.
2: I have a theory that that's why we're all mean on the east coast. It's because we're cold <laughs> all the time. It's a
0: little a little more uh, salty, a little more fiery, right? You yeah, said- a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, a little more. Uh, just kind of weathered is probably the best way of putting it. It's nice. Yeah,
2: we are weathered.
0: <laughs> so knee deep in snow um, won't be that at Sam Houston. Would be that if this guy was running at uh, Suffolk on on Sunday, though. Um, knee deep in snow was, I think, super impressive last time out. I mean, his and he's always been pretty nice. He just has had some some issues here and there. He's he's a six year old. He's raced eighteen times. He I'm I'm gonna start with him I'll kind of use him as like a measuring stick in here and then Towards the outside you mentioned uh, Cool Texas breads Mr. Moneybags Is another one he's got speed but he can Pass he likes Sam Houston He comes off of a win against open company At Zia last time out I'll probably Throw him on some exotics maybe even Mojo man um, in the mix There too this this race is is one That's kind of fun I think we've talked about some of the other Races where you do have some maybe shorter Priced horses that you'll have to key in on The two from the inside I think will take a lot of money and I could see them Sort of hurting each other because they're both speedy Con- Country finals probably got to go because he draws the rail And then with Ben right next door, I'm sure he's going to be pushing too So I could I could get a little more creative in this race
2: Yeah, I think there are a lot of different ways to go I, I don't think anyone's unbeatable here
0: Let's get to our final of the six stakes races on the Sunday at Sam Houston We've got the Jersey Lily Turf They're going to be going a mile and a 16th on the turf course Billy's and Mayors Four-year-olds and up. Tell us a little bit about how you saw this race, Jess.
2: I thought this one shaped up pretty tough as well. Um, Number seven, catch a bit, I think looks awfully tough here. I I assume Joe Sharp will win a race here. He's done so well uh, shipping into Sam Houston, and this one's coming in very good form. That said, very logical. This horse makes to me a lot of sense here. Um, I do like a bit of a long shot, and that is at a huge price. That's number eight, Quinella for Ronnie Cravens. I don't know if she's good enough to win. I think she's good enough to get a piece. Um, she's one I would leave, I, I would not leave off my exotics at all.
0: She was so impressive. So
2: impressive. So impressive. So, Winning. like, you don't usually see them win like that on the Sam Houston turf. And she just just kept opening up.
0: And maybe just two starts back at Fairgrounds, a combination of things. She didn't get the best of trips. They're going pretty slow that day where they went sub 50. And it's so fun because if you play her, you can be rooting in, I'm rooting for Quinnella, Ella, 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 A. Wow. a you know, you could sing it wow. as you're going along. Wow. You I know could. that you're. You, you, I know that Someone you could, yeah. I, I, and you would <laughs> hope that I won't in, in future uh, <laughs> recordings of this, Jess. <laughs> so, Quinella is one that we will be using in some of that's our late exotic. Now. Yeah, I know you're going to be now on the broadcast <laughs> when this horse wins. You're going to be like, I'm going to see a look from you, like a side eye look, and I'm going to know what that look that's is. What, that's
2: what that's going to be. That's exactly what <laughs> oh, that
0: is. I'm going to mention a couple more in here for folks who want to throw. In maybe the 11 barista You know barista is a horse who last Year was in some really nice Three year old stakes races on the Turf and and then had some issues Right was gone from June to October came back In October and then raced, but Then showed back up a couple months later Kind of inside in between And then got a little opening but just Couldn't quite hit the hole all that much you Mentioned Luzzy who has just been Riding fantastic my only concern With both the 11 and the 12 is just a draw You know sure you got to work out a trip from out there, but they both seem to have a little bit of versatility to them. I think you can either, you know, especially with Barista, maybe you can be a little more forwardly placed, or sort of sit mid pack, take back a little bit. I thought the seven catch a bid, who you mentioned, should be on, yeah, you know, on all exotics, and then down towards the inside, you got to kind of figure out what you want to do with Breeze Rider, who seems a little one dimensional. I mean, they've she's SAP, but I don't know if that's really her best. I think she really wants to be up on it, so a fun. Jersey Lily Turf on a Fantastic card of racing On Sunday out at Sam Houston Jessica Paquette she's about to make the trip Out there she will be live and on site at Sam Houston helping out with the broadcast On Friday night she's going to be calling The races so we're going to hear her voice Out there Jess and I it looks like In a few weeks um, I'm going to be heading out there And it it sounds like you'll be out there uh, mid, Mid February also
2: I'm looking forward to it. I don't think our paths have ever crossed in no. person over, after all these years.
0: Never in person. Many times on on either TV, podcasts, streams, different stuff through the years, but that will be a lot of fun. So yeah, I'm gonna start focusing in on that next week and uh getting all my uh my stuff together. Just let us know. So what else do you have coming up uh, in the next little bit? And so for Sam Houston, we see you posting on, like, every day, some sort of selections or usually a few best bets. You'll usually uh, throw out a video there where you're, you know, telling us your, uh, some of your best plays of the day.
2: That's it. You can get my picks on uh, the SHRP Twitter, also my own Twitter, at Paquette. And as always, the Albert Aftercare, the most important part of my life. So if, you're, if you win some money this weekend, maybe make a donation to the TRF.
0: That's always great, awesome And we'll make sure we uh, we do that We'll share some of that And um, How's the bad horse doing before we let you go?
2: The bad horse is great, so I'm finally cleared to ride again I broke my back in October uh, Yay. So we are, I, I started riding in a couple of weeks ago um, And we are both I mean, I don't think he's thrilled to have me back But I'm very thrilled to be back
0: <laughs> Well, one of my favorite things on Twitter Is checking the progress, seeing how things go every morning You're a very fun follow um, I, I live vicariously through you In that I couldn't live in the cold. So thankfully you live in the cold for me and I can experience some cold stuff just like looking at your pictures.
2: Not all heroes wear capes. Some of them are seven (laughs) layers of clothing, I guess.
0: (laughs) Jess, thanks so much. It's always a blast catching up with you. I hope you have an awesome weekend. Safe travels out there. And I look forward to uh, hanging out in a few weeks. At the very least, I owe you dinner for all the times you've helped me out here.
2: That'd be my pleasure. You know, thank you. Good luck, everyone.
0: Thanks so much. Safe travels. And make sure to give Jessica a follow. She does such a fantastic job. Great personality. Really, really good handicapper. Hardworking. And uh, we love having her on here. So good luck this weekend to Jess. And good luck out there, everyone. Don't go anywhere, though. We're going to recap a little bit of the Sunday card. So stay tuned. Always fun catching up with Jessica. So let's recap just uh, quickly some of the races that we discussed. The fifth race, the Turf Sprint. I went to the seven Tut's Revenge last year, going five furlongs. I really like that race right here at Sam Hune. Sat off the, was a dead heat winner that day. So I'm hoping we can get a similar type trip for Tut's Revenge. Seven, four, three is how I had him there with Americanus, lightly raced. Seems to have a lot of excuses for some of the poor performances. Seven, four, three. And then <clears throat> the two, one are the obvious horses down on the inside. But, you know, depending on what you need, I don't. In the sixth race, I am 11-7-1, Red Run. Love that September 6th race that he comes out of. I think it's a great spot for him. He'll probably be much shorter than the, the morning line because of those connections. And then the seven stolen base feels like the one they'll all have to hold. eleven seven. 7 I love Audrey's time in the ladies' classic. Audrey's time was really impressive in her December 27th win. She was back to last. She just kind of kept to the outside. She was handled like the best. You go back two starts. She outfinished Army Wife. Army Wife beat Pauline's Pearl. Audrey's Time's run into in Taunt and Bonnie South. The number two, Audrey's Time, I would use as an exotic single. If she's anything three to one. I'll play her to win. In the John B. Connolly turf, mile and a half on the turf, 9, 11, 3, 1. I looked towards the outside with another mystery who was sixth in this in 2020. Sort of has to prove it can go this far, but. If you make an excuse for the last effort where he had some trouble at the beginning, form really does fit pretty well here. So the 9, another mystery. 11, a journey to freedom who feels like the one to beat. And then Tide of the Sea, he's probably the most proven speed. It depends on what they end up doing with the one conviction trade who can go at a distance like this. He's a grade three winner at a mile and a half and a multiple stakes winner. It's hide of the... Moving to the stoner side sprint. Race number nine. I like the five in here quite a bit. In snow tracking second nicely within two in the two path. His best efforts are really good. This is a horse who's it's been kind of like a little cut below graded, but very, very capable horse on his best efforts. He put up one of those last time out. If he takes any step forward, really tough. He should get a trip. County finals got speed. Greeley and Ben has some speed. Top Gunner and Isolate has some speed. I think Knee Deep and Snow can just sit me right off. The 10th race is the Jersey Lily Turf. I look towards the outside to the 11, the 12. I don't love the draw for Empress Eleanor. Big fan of the animal rough draw. The 11 Barista. Last time we saw her, she was fifth, but she was only beaten a couple lengths at fairgrounds. And inside early in that race, third, she was... Tucked in a couple lengths off, two at most. Got a nice opening inside, but she just couldn't quite hit Quinella, who we were joking about with. Final race on Sunday at Sam Houston. First level allowance, mile and a 16th on the turf. I looked towards the outside. Public information is obviously going to be really, really tough in here. Was in the two path, was three or four off, was sixth in tween, kind of had to shuffle back to last, and that was over at Aqueduct. You look at the 11, half hours to keep. I think you'll get some speed there from the outside but the 12 champ success I'm gonna have 7-12 on all exotics and below them I have 11-6 Champ success was behind Johan Zofani who just came back and ran well again just missed on January the 21st and has been in good form that's the 12 champs success 7-12-11-6 to close out an awesome Sunday card at Sam Houston Remember their special post. They're going to be uh, racing during the day at Sam Houston. Going to have a live stream on Sunday with Andrew Champagne to give you all the up-to-date information. We'll pull out the DRF Pass Performances Formulator, and we'll go through all of the Sunday card for Sam Houston with Andrew Champagne. And that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you so much to Eric for helping out again with our NFL game preview. Jessica Paquette did a great job. Milo says hello. He's ready to uh, play some races this weekend. Uh, We will be seeing you with the live streams all over Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Stay tuned and follow along. It's me, Gino B. Now, Joey Cleveland closes